Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yes, welcome to Action Radio. It's walls of all reporters from start to finish. I'm sorry. I'm just doing my trucker voice here, my truck pull voice. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're we're busy all the way through. So we've got uh, Tara D, who should be calling any second now. We'll get her on the line. With uh, there she is. But I'll tell you, that was so prompt. So we got Tara D with the animal shelter report. We've got uh, Derek Park with the financial report. We've got Candy Petticard with the Black Mama Bear gun report. We've got uh, John DeMonico with the Women's Firearm Report, Firearm Academy Report. And then we have a very special guest in the third hour, uh, G. Van Fleet, who's been all over the news um, because of her book which actually is our show title, uh, which is Mao's America, A Survivor's Warning. So we've got critters first to start off our Friday uh, in the traditional way, and then we get into extreme politics later on. So it's in economics and everything else. It's Action Radio. You get it all here. So let's, uh, let's talk about the critters. Can't you just see yourself all curled up on the couch with a really cute kitty cat just hanging around your neck? Or some adorable lapdog just looking up at you with those big eyes. Maybe you need a dog for hunting, for herding, for protecting the family, or just to take walking. Maybe the house just needs a family cat, or, when available, a pet bird. Where can you find these wonderful animals? At your local animal shelter. And now it's the Santa Rosa County, Florida Animal Shelter Report with... Tara D. Okay, after that stunning intro, I have completely mellowed out. Now it's time to talk about uh, little little putty cats and little puppies and doggies and oh gee, <laughs> I got to watch my themes. They're very influential. Good morning, Tara. Yes. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm okay. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a very busy Friday. Like I said, we've got a very special guest, Xi uh, Zhanfleet, who uh, got here from uh, Communist China, uh, and we're going to. I've been watching her on, on different news shows, and I try and ask her different questions so she doesn't get bored. But uh, she was on the show. Bef- she was on the show before July Fourth. We had her on. In fact, I just met her on Facebook, and we became Facebook friends. So I got her on um, for our annual reading of the uh, the Declaration of Independence. So if you want to participate in that next year, let me know. And so okay, I'll be sending cool. a message. Yeah. I'll be sending out messages to everybody uh, so they can then uh, join in. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it's always fun, uh, especially with new readers. And we invite guests, and we have think, like seven or eight people. We just take a section just kind of divide it up. So uh, it works out nicely. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, as a fellow immigrant, although her story getting here is a lot you know, tougher than mine, um, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just very interesting that immigrants are the, probably the strongest proponents of freedom in this country, especially coming from communist countries. So that's going to be uh, yeah. Very interesting. Um, anyway, which leads to the question, now that I think about it, uh, pets in, in communist countries, is that a, do you know anything about that? I don't know where that came from, but um, oppressive governments probably don't lead, are not conducive to people having uh, pets, I'm guessing. This is a totally I, I mean, I question. don't really know. That's that's a that's a good question. I don't know. I know that in, you know, different areas or pets are, I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, that's a good I mean, question. You issued one? Do you have to get like a certificate to the government award? <laughs> I think they have to, to be under a certain size and they have to be able to fit into your little bag. And then, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, they're very po- – the small breeds are, you know, extremely popular um, over in different areas, you know. But I'm, I'm not real sure that's a good question. I mean, you know, different areas obviously look at animals in a, in a different manner 
than we do. So, you know, you have the meat markets and all that, which is just horrific. So it's definitely a, a different a different aspect of not pet ownership, but animals, you know, and how they're how they're looked at in different different cultures. So Yeah, it's fascinating. I didn't think about that either, but there are places in the world where what we consider pets other people consider food. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, and I think in France, uh horse meat uh is a delicacy or or it's it's like stand fair, nobody particularly objects to that. Whereas here, you know, especially in Lexington, Kentucky, you know where the Derby is, people are like, You're gonna do what mm-hmm. to our horses? I yeah. don't think so. <laughs> you know. So it's yeah, that's, very that's interesting. kinda of frowned upon. Yeah, it's really, it really is. And, you know, I mean, here we are, we eat cows and pigs all the time. And, you know, for mm-hmm. other people, they're like, what? You know, because that that's what we do here. And it's pretty commonplace. But, you know, different areas are, you know, look upon things. And, I mean, we're probably not as diverse on the different types of animals that we that we use for food. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's a lot of, a lot of conversation to be had about, the, about that topic for sure. Yeah, the Asian countries they eat everything. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you go to Chinatown in San Francisco, and I spent uh, 30 years on the West Coast. And there's there's uh, there's two Chinatowns. There's American Chinatown where you get sweet and sour pork and you know you know mm-hmm. chopsticks and fortune cookies. You get what what uh, what the Chinese think Americans think the Chinese are, which is really kind of funny. Yeah, right. Uh, then you then you, then you get the real Chinese market where you get you know the entire fish head and everything else. Uh, and it could be still flopping around inside the package. So it's a completely uh-huh. different cultural experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so the Chinese markets I found very strange. So when they talk about the wet markets in Wuhan, uh, it was, it, you know, I, I know exactly what they're talking about, having been through Chinatown uh, in uh-huh. San Francisco. And so it leads to a question that I just thought of that actually does relate back to what you do at the animal shelter. Do you find mm-hmm. people from, from different countries and different cultures have different ways of treating animals? And do you have to educate people uh, if they're from a culture where they like animals around, but they're not particularly treated well? They're kind of like, you know, second class oppressed citizens like they might be, you know, in a dictatorship um, or, or from one. Do you see cultural uh, differences like that? I'm just curious. Uh, we don't necessarily see them here. Well, I haven't personally noticed that here, but I'm sure that that uh-huh. is probably an issue in different different areas where there's a where a, there's a higher concentration of, of people from you know um, different areas coming in. We I don't really think in in Santa Rosa County we necessarily see it that much because uh-huh. we we don't have a large group of you know people. I don't think we have a large immigrant population here where we will. I mean we have. <laughs> Well, we have we have you know yeah. like the Hispanic culture um, mm-hmm. coming in. I don't think they're that different from us as far as uh, right. you know um, animal welfare. My, my grandma was Cuban, and so her pets like for her mm. her pets were like spoiled rotten, and they got fed. She would cook for them. Um, like she got her her babies like got like when I had dogs, and I was like I'm not doing all that. And like I love my pets, but that's just not for me. And but she it's would okay. cook. Um, yeah. yeah, she would cook chicken, boiled chicken and, and debone it and that's how that's what they got fed. So they got fed better than a lot of people. So it just I think a lot of it is depending upon how you were brought up probably as well. And if your parents taught you that, you know, the animal is part of the family and it's to be valued, then you do so. And if you were not taught that and you think they're just disposable, throw them in the yard, throw them some scraps or whatever, then you know and and hopefully you learn that there's more to it than that that they're wonderful, you know, companions and you need to treat them as such. But I think a lot of it is more just how you're brought up, not necessarily culture, but I'm sure there is a big difference in, in different areas. But I think here we really don't see see it as much because it's we don't have a lot of immigrant population here. 
Well, like I say, the way things are going, we will, because everybody will. We've got millions of people. It's like half a million a mm-hmm. month now uh, that are coming into the country, which is absolutely insane. Um, and so that's a different issue. I don't want to get into that so much. Um, Bianchi has a comment here. He says, when, when he was in Ka- Kasmasi, Ghana, uh, there are locations where fruit bats occupy this huge tree. Yeah, I had the same thing in Australia. Oh, wow. uh, we have the, the giant, they call them the flying foxes, uh, because mm-hmm. they're, they're about the size of a fox, right, uh, with wings. Yeah, they're scary-looking. <laughs> I've seen pictures. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but they're, they're fruit eaters. Didn't you watch Crocodile Dundee when he makes that, that silly noise and the fruit bats come out of the trees and terrorize the guys that are trying to terrorize them? Uh, those are th- That was funny, but the, the bats really are real. I think they have like a, like a two- to three-foot wingspan. I mean, they're huge. Wow, um, and so, wow. And, and, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so when they're flying around, it's like they dark in the sky. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, but in some places, that's food. You know, um, mm-hmm. the yeah. budgie, the parakeet, that everybody says, oh, the parakeets are so pretty, they're so wonderful. Well, budgie regard uh, is aborigine for good food. <laughs> the food oh, wow. Oh, yeah, gosh, the, the, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all different everywhere. I mean, it oh, just yeah, depends on, you know, and they go with yeah. what, what's, what's ample and like, okay, this is, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, if you grow up doing that, then that's, you know, I don't know. And we, you know, we get the, you know, people make comments about, oh, these animals are probably, you know, certain mm-hmm. certain foods. You're like, oh, you know, is this really chicken or is this something else? You know, yada, yada. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm just like kind of just – I'm very limited on – you know, I, I know for me, you know, I'm not a vegetarian or anything or vegan, but I, you know, I don't, I don't stray out of the norm too much. You know, chicken and beef yeah. and fish is probably a, is about as crazy as I get. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, and like I said, they're, they're, but if you ever had someone come up and say, "Well, yeah, I'm opening up a new restaurant in town, and I'd like to have a steady supply of animals, please," who's like, "I don't think so." <laughs> That yeah, would be like, first. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, yeah, I think that won't work, so, yeah, but yeah. I think every, I think when people, you know, kind of settle into a, a new environment, hopefully, I would like to think that they kind of acclimate to the area, and if, if you know, if this is, this is new, I mean, obviously, they're going to bring their own, their own style and their own way of doing things, but hopefully, but also still respecting where they're at, which I think most people do, you know, like, mm-hmm. You know, you move to a new place, and if you realize, oh, I used to run naked through the yard when I lived in the mm-hmm. woods, but now I live in a, in a, you know, residential neighborhood. Probably I can't do that anymore, out of respect for my neighbors. And yeah, hopefully, San Francisco. hopefully everybody has that. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, if you live deep in the woods, you're okay. But yeah, uh, or there's, San there's not many woods yeah, left, I think, anymore. Anyway, yeah. so seems like there's uh, subdivisions going up everywhere. Well, see, that's another problem too. As the, as the county grows, you guys are going to have more and more pressure um, on you, and uh-huh. so we'll see what happens with uh, you know when Trump gets back in office. Um, but I, I'm you know because you, we cannot absorb 15 million people; they're going to have to go back, and it's going to be very interesting. Uh, it, it's it, you know it's too easy to get them here; it's going to be too hard to get rid of them. But this county is growing like crazy, and so I think we talked about this before that the, oh, the yeah. pressures well, on, on your shelter. Yeah, and yeah, we've grown. Ahead. Yeah, we've grown so much, and our shelter is the same size that it was you know, 25 years ago. So, and people get very upset when we can't take their animals or can't take strays. And I totally understand that because you assume mm-hmm. that that's what the shelter is here for, but we're not here for people who want to dump their dogs. We're here for, ideally, it's supposed to be for stray animals. We're supposed to house them temporarily till they get back to their family. And if by chance they don't, then we readopt them out. But it's become it's just become overwhelming. There's so many animals and they're not being cared for. So unfortunately we're having to limit what we take in just to be able to, you know, be at, co- we're always over capacity for dogs always. So it's like, we'll adopt something. We take something else and we never have the space with it when it comes to dogs anymore. And it's very unfortunate because 
we have a lot of great pets here, but it's just, yeah, there's so many in the county that need help. So it's, it can be quite overwhelming and just, it's, it's a problem for sure. And people are bringing their animals with them from different parts of the country as they move here. And so that's yeah. going to increase. Mm-hmm. And then if they find they don't want them or the kids grow up and go to college and it's like, what do we do with the family, you know, the six family dogs that the six kids grow up with and, and then the parents don't want them anymore. You know, so do you find this is a, sort of a nasty question, too, but do you find that people, uh, if you refuse them and say, look, we're not a, we, you know, because you don't do euthanasia anymore. It's not a place where the dogs go in and they're only there for a limited amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. So because of that, do you find people will, will, will if you refuse them, say, look, we just don't have room now. It's your dog. Find a good home. Find a rescue home. Do the responsible thing. Do you find they just dump them anyway, hoping they'll end up in the shelter? Um, yeah, we definitely know that people do that because we've seen that before where we've seen a dog come in. We've explained to them. We try to give the, the citizens resources to help them. We're not just be like, good luck. But, you know, there's only so much that we can do, and there's only so much the rescues in the area can do. So we give them information on what they can try to do themselves since it is their pet. But, yeah, we – and you you know, a week later, a, a, you'll see a citizen, the same dog, hey, I found this dog. And you're like, yep, they just literally open their door somewhere and dump the dog out, which is just atrocious. But people do that, you know. Um, and that's one thing you need to think about when you do get a pet. Like, this is a this is a living creature, and this is your responsibility as the owner to take care right. of that pet. And if you decide it doesn't work for your family, it is your responsibility to find it a new home. It's not the responsibility of anybody else but you. You took on the animal, and you have to... You have to be accountable for that, and it's it's a living creature. You it's it's not just a toy that you can dump out. And unfortunately, we do still have a a portion of our population here in our area that and it, and all over the country that still thinks animals are disposable. Oh, I don't like this one anymore. Oh, it's old now. Let's get rid of it and get a puppy. And and that happens often, and it's very very sad. And I just what I see is when you're you're teaching your children that, and that's and and that's what people you know don't understand. If you're you're going to get a dog and you're going to get it rid of it, your kid's going to remember that, and they're going to think that that's acceptable. So make sure that you're making a good you know setting a good example for your children, so that they grow up to be responsible and and have compassion for animals, and also to hold themselves accountable to like this is my pet, I'm responsible for them. And I don't know, we just see. I see a lot sometimes that's it's, it's very disappointing. Yeah, and don't be afraid to share that um, because as much as this is a wonderful, you know, warm and fuzzy critter report, I think we really need to know that, that there's a reason the shelter exists, that there's a reason that uh, animals are stray when we ideally would want them in, you know, in decent homes. But that obviously that's not the case or you wouldn't have a job. You, 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 right. And I know you'd love well, to work your way you out know, of it. Like, you know, put, put but, you me know. out of a job, please. That's what I always say because we would have yeah. people say, people were opposed to spay and neuter for a long time and I think a lot of I think the community as a whole has been educated on that now but they would you know say oh well if you spay and neuter everything then you're not going to have a job I'm like okay make it y'all's goal to put me out of the job that'd be great I would totally be happy yeah (laughs) to not have a job but I'm not concerned because that's not going to happen unfortunately and then you have the you know whatever the breed the popular breed is like right now uh super concerning one of the breeds that's very very popular i went to barktoberfest we had a set up there last week saw tons of animals it was like it's like doggy heaven it's beautiful dogs everywhere it was like one it's a fantastic if you're a pet lover to go and just see all the dogs dressed up with their families it's fantastic however uh what i did see was a lot of corsos um so they're i think they're actually called brazilian mastiff aka cane corso or connie corso people kind of have the different um how they pronounce it but these guys are monstrous they're huge dogs and they're of the mastiff 
um, lineage, and they are humongous. They're, you know, 120, 140, 160, whatever, and they're more muscular than the English Mastiff, so they're like more like a bull Mastiff, like beef, beefy, you know, and muscular. And these dogs are, you know, very popular right now, and people are getting these guys left and right. I saw so many of them there at the event, uh, young dogs, and I'm like, I just hope that these people... And not to say they're bad dogs because they're awesome dogs if they have responsible pet owners. But if you have a chihuahua that you're not responsible, you know, and they bite people, it's not going to be fun, but it's not going to potentially kill someone. But if you have a corso that is yeah, unruly yeah, and that yeah. you've not trained and he attacks mm-hmm. someone, that could be a life-threatening injury. And so, you know, I just hope that people are doing their due diligence when they're getting especially these larger popular breeds that are that have the potential to hurt someone it's not because they're bad dogs by any means it's just you have to properly train them if you properly train them you know yeah and you have to socialize them getting them neutered is so important and a lot of people don't want to do that you know they're cropping their ears because that's part of the look for the breed um and i mean yeah i'm not for that If, if it's an aesthetic thing like it just it you know but, you know, we try not to judge people. My thing is just please be responsible if, if you're going to get one. Because we're seeing a lot of families getting these big dogs. And it's like, mm-hmm. please make sure that you're doing the right thing. Socialize, socialize, socialize. They have that natural instinct to protect you already. You don't have to instill that in them. So you don't have to <laughs> teach them to be bad, you know. Teach, you teach them to be socialized, and you teach them that you're the boss. Those two things is are the most important and then they're going to defer to you and then if you're in danger they're going to read you but then you don't have to worry about them you know trying to attack someone for no reason because you're not a strong leader so i just i just really that's a as i'm seeing those dogs being those and golden doodles or not golden doodles but doodles in general are the two breeds that are very popular right now that are really just being in my opinion overbred they're just everywhere and these are both dogs that shouldn't be for the common person just randomly going to get a puppy. You know, like these are dogs that you need to research and see what you're getting into. So, It's vanity. Uh, these are vanity dogs. It's, and it's, it's not that big a step to go from vanity dogs to vanity children. You know, designing the DNA of your kid or if they're not exactly <laughs> yeah. right, you know, dispose of them and just, you know, give them up somewhere and start again. And it's like, well, again, that wasn't exactly what I wanted. I mean, it just, you know, it becomes Yeah, all she had blue society. eyes, not brown eyes. Like, I'm not going for that. Yeah, that's, exactly, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get Pianchi but I want to hear about your grandmother sometime. Was she born in Cuba? Did she come here? Um, or, yeah. Or? yeah, so actually yeah. my grandma was born in Cuba. My grandfather was uh, from Canary Islands. So huh. they actually met and they came over. Um, I want to believe, you know, I should know these dates, but I do not. My dad was 49, so uh, sometime in the 50s, I think, when things started okay. getting a little squirrely over in Cuba. And they came over and, you know, did it the way that they were supposed to do it legally, came over, did everything. My dad actually was born in Cuba as well. So he came, when they came over, I think my dad was about eight or so. So, wow. Yeah. So really cool, uh, really cool information, which I wasn't, you know, I didn't know to pay attention to those things until I was older to ask questions and, you know, because it's really interesting when you have your own history that, you know, so I encourage everybody to check your own history because you probably have some really great stories there that you didn't know about. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because you think we all lead these quiet lives, and all of a sudden you find out, you know, that uh, I had a one of my relatives, a great uh, grand 
grandfather or, or granduncle, something like that, uh, his ship was hijacked. And this is in, in uh, I think it was New York Harbor, something like that. And he oh, was wow. out painting. He was out painting. And he, he like semaphored in reverse, you know, uh, hijacked, <laughs> you know, to the Coast Guard. Oh, my hijacked. goodness. This is, this is one of those legendary stories. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of amazing. Bianchi, you want to get in our, our animal chat? What's, uh, what's your question for Tara? Well, there's nothing like when a kid pulls a box from under the tree, the tree, Christmas tree, and open the top and out pops a puppy. <laughs> so with the holidays coming along, do you see where people are starting to adopt and come in and get that special gift? That's a great question. So we haven't seen the influx yet. Usually it starts towards the beginning of December or like a week before Christmas. And there are some um, rescues and shelters that do specific Christmas adoptions. Um, We used to frown upon it, but it's kind of like they're going to get a pet somewhere, so might as well be one of ours, right? So we don't necessarily encourage it, but we don't also we don't, you know, we're like, well, we're still going to be okay with it. So as long as the person has the right intent to get the pet, but we won't hold them until Christmas or anything because we want to get them out as quickly as possible. When they find an owner, we're going to let them go. But I think um, mid-December is when we start seeing a real influx of people looking. If they're thinking about getting a pet, they're starting to scope around and look around. And puppies are very popular, especially around the holidays, um, which is perfectly fine. If you've already talked about it as a family and you're ready for that commitment, just spontaneous puppy buying is not a good idea. So I just encourage everybody, like, if you're thinking about, you know, getting a puppy for Christmas, that's perfectly fine. That's a great thing to bring a pet into the family. But just make sure you've discussed it with everybody and you know that it is a commitment. Puppies poop a lot. So you just have to be prepared for that <laughs> that messy stage. And it's not going to last forever, but it's kind of like having a baby. You know, you're going to go through a lot of diapers when they're a baby, and then they're going to grow to the next stage. Same for puppies. So they'll be that messy stage, but it's a lot of fun. And if you have other pets that you're concerned about them acclimating to, or you just want to start out with a puppy because your kids are young, and a lot of people do that, which is perfectly, you know, understandable. Just just make sure you're ready for the commitment because it puppies are a lot of work at first. So. I think one of the worst things people could do is buy pets for other people. You know, they, they think it's really yeah. cute, like a like a cousin or a Surprise, or a friend. That, I got you a yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and especially Terrible parents, life. all of a sudden, and the kid wants the, the the you know the puppy, whatever it is. And then you try, the parents are like, no, we can't have a puppy. Now you've got now you've really screwed up the family because now the kids hate the parents. They like the friend or the or the relative. Yeah, or if grandma brings you, a puppy to the yeah for Christmas or something. Yeah, that's, yeah, don't, that's don't not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a PlayStation. You can't just you know take it back. Like make sure it's discussed with the whole family. And we do see that occasionally. Um, you know, whereas one family member will want a dog or cat and the other family member does not. So it's not fair for the animal to be adopted and then brought back because you didn't communicate with your spouse. So make sure Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, make sure it's a group decision or at least whoever's in, you know, if, if mom rolls the house and she's like, well, I want a dog. Well, you know, and dad's like, I don't care. Yeah, well, as long as, exactly. And another, (laughs) you know, as far as children too, if you have a seven-year-old and you're like, the, the seven-year-old's not taking care of the pet. You yeah. shouldn't adopt a dog if you're expecting the seven-year-old to be completely responsible for the pet. It's a great way of teaching those things, but ultimately mm-hmm. you're the adult, and you're going to be the one doing most of the work. You can teach your child to help you, of course, but when they're a young child like that, they shouldn't be completely responsible for the pet. They're still learning how to be responsible for their own self. So it's a great learning experience, and it's a great teaching moment for them, but 
be realistic in your expectations. Like a, a young child is probably not going to do exactly what they're supposed to do for the pet every day. So make sure that you're willing to do it as the adult if, if they're not doing what they should. Yeah, makes sense. Let's get to uh, critters available and events because we only have about six minutes left. Okay. Yeah, so this weekend we're super, super excited. I want to talk about our event briefly. So we're going to have a, a pet Pirates Party Pet Adoption event here at the shelter, and that's uh, 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. So we're going to have some vendors out here. We're going to have the crew of Wicked Pirates. They're a Mardi Gras crew. They're bringing their pirate float, so we're super excited about that. We've got some food vendors. Um, we've got uh, Second Wind Beverages. We've got Blackwater Barbecue and Whacked Out Wiener is the food beverage or the food group that are coming. I can't say it either. Don't, don't worry about I it. I know. It makes me laugh. So, you know. You know, hot dogs, hot dogs. So we're going to have, I think that's going to be fun. We're going to have some other, like, crafts and other good vendors here. So it, it should be a really good time. Adoptions are only $5, and that's for any any dog or cat that's in the shelter, $5 adoption fee. So you're going to save money. You're going to be able to get a pet. So if you are thinking about, you know, a pet for Christmas, like, go ahead and get it early. Come on down and, you know, just because it is a commitment. It's not just something, in a, you know, you just give one day. It's it, An animal is going to be there. So, you know, it's a good time to come out, enjoy the day. And if you don't want to go, you know, I think the blues are this weekend at the beach or, or the air show or whatever. So if you don't want to go to that crowd, you want to do something, you know, it's a good time to come on out here. And we're excited about that. So that's going to be this Saturday from 10 until 2. And then uh, we've got kitties and dogs available. We're going to have some puppies at the event as well and we've got kittens we we've got a lot of babies up for adoption we're also going to have some foster pets coming in that you can talk to the foster parents directly find out all the details on these dogs so you'll know if they're house trained and what they're like in a home and so that's good information to have so it'll be a fun day we encourage everybody to come out are you going to talk like a pirate I don't know. Yes, we probably. Arr, well, we got you're these. Just have a dog adoption. We, Arr, we got the these great pirate hats. <laughs> We're all going to be wearing pirate hats. So we got these. We put. We have an Amazon wish list for the shelter. So it's just uh-huh. a fun thing we put on there for the wish list. A couple packs of the pirate hats. And someone um, was very generous and donated like three orders of these pirate hats. So I'm going to try to make the staff wear them. They're probably not going to cooperate but we're going to try to get everybody to wear one to have some fun that day and we'll be giving them out to probably some children too if we have extra so we've got eye patches and, and mustaches so it should be a fun video time. So I, would, I want a video yeah, yeah. i want to see this yeah, we'll i want to do, see y'all we'll dressed up like pirates yeah we'll definitely yeah. do some facebook live as well so it should be a fun day so i just hope everybody stops by and maybe you meet a pet that you fall in love with as well but if not you can um you know shop some local vendors and support your community Sounds good. And critters available? What do we got? What's that? Critters available. Who's, who, who are we featuring oh, this week? Oh, critters available, for yes. So, um, so we have a – I'm not sure if I've talked about her yet, but we have a fabulous little dog that's probably a lab mix, and mm-hmm. she had to have an amputation on her one of oh. her front legs. And so she's been in foster care, and she is back now, and she's probably six months old. Her name is Dr. Pepper. She had two sisters, well, a sister and a brother, and they were adopted, Root Beer and Pepsi. So um, due to her injury, she was in foster care, and she will be at the event. And we are super excited about her because she is just a lovely, lovely lovely dog, very sweet, very friendly. Uh, I think we got a German Shepherd, and it's beautiful. His name is Ryder, so he'll be available for adoption. 
we've got our regular guys and gals that have been here a while. Um, we also have a, if you're a cat fan, we have an absolutely gorgeous uh, Siamese mix named Hershey, and he's got just the beautiful silk point markings, gorgeous. He's already neutered, and I'm really surprised he hasn't been adopted yet. So if you're looking for an awesome cat, um, he's my top pick for this week. Yeah, we don't hear as much about cats. Uh, do you generally have more dogs than cats? You say the dogs are always full. Um, Is it no, like a huge amount about, more? Or? Yeah, we we yeah. talk about the dogs more because the cats um, generally they get adopted very quickly. So we have a lot of a lot of cats come in, but we have PetSmart that we send uh, cats over there to get adopted in our adoption program here, and they go very quickly. Which it used to be the opposite, but now probably the last couple years the cats are they do very well in adoption. They don't stay very long. They get adopted quickly, and so that's why we kind of feel this more in the dogs. It's not that we're, you know, more pro dog. It's just they need more help because the cats just kind of, they come in there, look pretty, and they get adopted with usually within the week if they're kittens. Adult cats may stay two weeks, but that's about as long wow. as they stay unless they have a medical issue. That They go very fast. Uh, with the dogs, it's a whole different story. If it's a little dog, they'll go quickly within the first two days. Um, medium to, and puppies go within the first few days. Anything else takes a while. So that's kind of why we focus more on the dogs, not for favoritism, but because they need more help. Interesting. Yeah, I would think, though, as, this, uh, as our county becomes more uh, suburban, with many more housing mm-hmm. developments. Dogs would have been uh, more prevalent when people had more land. They had, they had more acreage per, per house. You know, you had big, the lots were much bigger. Right. And we had, more, we had a lot more farms up north, too, because for those that don't know Santa Rosa County, we have a lot of cotton and peanut farms in the northern part of the county. Uh, and so that would be more conducive to animals. Cats, of course, for, you know, barns and rats and things like that. But uh, dogs, mm-hmm. for any kind of herding or any kind of protection or just because they have so much more space. Um, but I think as, as our, our county is, is suburbanizing, um, that's going to change the, 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 the ratio of pets and the type of pets that, are, that, are, uh, that people are having, I would think. Cats would be oh, easier, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Um, a lot of the larger breed, that's what we're seeing. People are moving to apartments, and, mm-hmm. and so when they're coming to even to look for an adoption dog, they are looking for something smaller because they're, they're, they don't have a lot of space anymore, and so they're like, oh, I, I really don't know if I could get a big dog. I don't have a big yard. And, th- and that's, that's true to an extent, but... Just, you know, just remember exercising the dog is the most important. So if you don't have a lot of land, you still can make that dog a part of the family. I mean, I would still make sure it's a good fit. You know, obviously, if you're not going to go walk your dog two or three times a day, don't get a an, an hyper young lab because it's probably not going to be a good fit. But if you're willing to put in the work and, and make sure the dog is, you know, gets their physical activity, you can still live in an apartment and get a an active dog, but you have to be committed to doing your part to get them exercise. So some people are lazy, and I'm one of those people. I would not get an active dog because I know I'm not going to go running or any of those things anymore. Right. And But if you're willing to do that and you're committed to that, then it's, you can make it happen no matter where you live. So. Yeah, and some people, because I do a lot of bike riding, I meet uh, joggers mm-hmm. that, are, that do marathons and things like that. So if you're, if you're in a particular sport where a dog would be, like, really helpful, you know, if you're a marathon runner, bring a dog. Because <laughs> some dogs can Absolutely. run for Absolutely. We've got, you know, we've got yeah. some high-energy dogs that would love to be a running partner for someone. So that's, yeah. And we have had people come in and say, hey, I like to run. Can you place me with a dog that would probably enjoy that? And so we've done that in the past, and it's worked really well. So if, if you're looking for a dog that, you know, and another thing, it, it wears your dog out. So when they get home, they're going to be calm and relaxed because they're exhausted. So it works both ways. Yeah, I remember uh, I got Derek on the line, so I'll get to him in just a second. But uh, when I was up in Alaska with my kid, we would see the sled dogs. And the sled dogs, they love to run. I mean, literally miles. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not, yeah, they're not happy unless they're running miles. And these aren't big dogs. These aren't, uh, these aren't the huskies that you see as pets. These are, these are just regular sled dogs. And it's really fascinating that they're not 
you know, that much different looking than a regular house pet, except that they're in such, you know, much better condition. Um, so I'm wondering uh-huh. if, if, if most of the dogs we have could be in better condition and people exercise them a lot more is what I'm guessing. They probably would be. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. We have a lot of, we have a lot of you know, a lot of obese animals uh, in, in America, and that's with the culture because what we, you know, the food that we eat and things like that, the, the animals are getting overfed as well. And just like it's unhealthy for us to carry extra weight, it's unhealthy yeah. for the dog, particularly when they get old and they're going to have joint issues, that extra five pounds on a dog is really, it's, it's, it can be really hard on them, especially if it's small, yeah. a smaller dog. Right. Let's pick up next week. That would be an interesting topic for us for, uh, to continue, so please make a note. <laughs> we shall get to that. Okay. Uh, let's get phone number and address one more time, and then I'll get to Derek. Okay, so Santa Rosa County Animal Services, address is 4451 Pine Forest Road, and that's Milton, Florida. Our phone number is 850-983-4680. Website is santarosa.fl.gov slash animals, or check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Perfect. Thanks, Tara. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. I was just thinking one of the, the, the fruits of uh, good financial planning is the ability to uh, travel. And I think you've been, yeah. you've been doing a little bit of that. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your, your journey? Uh, if you have a, before we get into the number oh, stuff. Yeah. No, Scotland, you. Scotland is uh, very, very highly recommended. Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, uh, I posted some pictures to your, uh, uh, to your, your web thing there. Cruise um, group, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you, appreciate put, that. Put, yeah. put, put a small bit on there, but uh, yeah, the the rich history, um, you know, our involvement a little bit in their history, you know, starting in the in the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, it, it it's just uh, absolutely amazing. The architecture, the people, it's it's a uh, one of the one of the greatest things that I that I get out of it is um, it's a it's a country of service. Um, you know, the yeah. people there um, have tons of manners um you know it's just uh you don't run into people with bad attitudes and things like you know you you experience all over in the u.s i mean people are are courteous um and i cannot tell you like like how what an experience that is you know you go oh, over there. Oh, i understand like, i've been there <laughs> i love yeah. scotland people, i didn't have a great time in Edinburgh for like, some reason but uh maybe it was the yeah, day maybe it was the yeah. people i ran into but but uh, overall in scotland they are wonderful people so uh do you Absolutely. have Scottish in your background yeah. at all? Why did you pick so Scottish? So my ancestry DNA, I am like um, 69% um, north, north, um, northwestern um, English and Irish, um, but Scotland on 23andMe does light up a little bit. So there's maybe huh. maybe a 5 percentile or something like that. It's very small. Uh, now on my, my – so my um, half-aunt – um, from my, from my family. Cause my father was adopted. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, it was a split family. Her father, uh, was 100% Scottish. 
So, um, you know, their family has a tartan and, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's in their bloodline. So, um, you know, for, for mine, you know, I guess my, my dad's father, uh, his, his sister had a separate father, same mother. Um, you know, I guess his father was more English. Yeah. So I, I heard you saw the, the sword of Braveheart, William Wallace's sword in front of you, laddie. What that experience no, was that, that was, like? uh, that was, that was, uh, that was Robert the Bruce's. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got my royalty mixed up, <laughs> or my, my Scots yeah. mixed up. Robert the Bruce. Okay. Yeah. So when you see a piece of history like that, um, it's pretty incredible. I mean, that's a big sword, right? I mean, how big was Robert the Bruce? Yeah. I don't know, but the people were, were, were really small back then, you know, so we were looking at some of the, some of the, yeah, we were looking at, look, I'm not a, I'm not a skyscraper, man. I'm a little over five, nine. Um, okay. you know, I was almost, That's I was like five, guys. nine and a half when I, when I, yeah. when I joined the army, but I lost an inch, uh, you know, carrying all the equipment and stuff that I did. But, uh, yeah. Spine compression. Anyway, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Spinal compression, you know, neck compression really? that actually happens. So, yeah. Um, anyway, gravity. Uh, I've lost an inch of high, no, well, that, high school. That too. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit of weight at some times. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah well, I've uh, on that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, standing next to some of their old clothes and, and, uh, you know, the armor and stuff, I'm like, Man, this dude must have been about like five, 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 six, mm-hmm. maybe. You yep. know, like I'm really and, and and tall in the saddle, five foot tall of him. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. You know, so I asked, you know, some of the tour guides that we had, and the, and the lady was like, "Yeah, the people, the people were small." And I noticed my wife, you know, while we were there, um, you know, I'm I'm walking around. I'm like, "Did you notice like the the inordinate amount of smaller people here?" And she's like, "No, I didn't really notice." You know, and I'm like. You know, it was like when I was in South Korea, where I'm like looking over the tops of everybody's heads, and, you know, and it's just like <laughs> Americans are, tall. you know, it's a different diet. You know, they're all eating haggis yeah, over there, def- and, you know, and other stuff. Just- well, so you know, it's funny you mentioned the food. You know, their food standards over in Europe are um, mm-hmm. much better, better than ours, yep. right? Meaning, yeah, but they they don't allow some of the preservatives and things like that. So mm-hmm. when you eat the food. It it almost seems like it lacks flavor, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the the dining experience over there when we ate at the at the higher end restaurants, you know, the the where where they really put the effort into the food was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, haggis haggis is not all that bad. I didn't mind it. Um, you know, they have this <laughs> other stuff called black pudding that I wasn't oh. a fan of, but I could Uh-oh. I could tolerate it. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it's not something I'd order. I could eat it, but I wouldn't order it. Um, you know, so, um, you know, haggis I had almost, almost with, with, uh, every meal when it was out there, I didn't mind it at all. It's almost like a stuffing kind of thing. You know, it's like, yeah, stomach lining way I could describe it. So people should know what it is. It's a, you know, it's, it's an interesting, yeah. uh, interesting dish. Well, let's, let's talk economics because we only have limited time here, but the economics of Scotland, you've got an independent people. You've got people that are centuries old. They've got tons of tradition and culture. Um, are they? Did you see the effect of the European Union there? Is are they working on their own economy? Do they feel part of the UK, which is the least united place I know of on earth, between Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and England? And they, they used, they've been fighting yeah. for centuries. Uh, they're very different yeah. people, different languages. I mean, Gaelic, you know, versus Old English are completely different languages. It, so it's um, not Gaelic in Scotland. It's Gaelic. What is it? Okay, Gaelic. So Gaelic. Okay. While they are the same, they are the same. There are differences, right? So it actually originates from Ireland, which is Gaelic. 
but up there it is pronounced Gallic. So the language itself is the same. There are different dialects of it. So that's where your pronunciation comes in. Now they can understand each other, and then they figure out where each other's from when they start talking to each other. So we actually got somebody to speak <laughs> Gallic to us, and we got a lady that sang a song in Gallic. But when you uh-huh. want to talk to their economies um, – can you see the separation from the European Union? No, not really. Um, okay. They are on the pound sterling, you know, but they do have their own version of the pound sterling. Um, you know, the Great British pound? pound. So, you know, you do. I remember that. Say again? The Scottish pound yeah. is a little different than the English pound, right? It's all the same same currency exchange, right? Um, you know, but, you know, they have the bank. They have different banks of Scotland, so there's different currency for each bank. Um, and then okay. sometimes you went some places, there were notes from England floating around. All the coins were from England, um, you know, so, um, you know, Scotland had their own paper. Now, the Scots um, are, since, the, since Brexit has happened, has been mm-hmm. in talks of potentially just saying, we're just going to become independent altogether. Um, you know, so, um, that, that is something the Scots really want because they've wanted that for centuries. Right. Right, Um, right. and now they're in a position that they can kind of make it happen because they're not relying upon the crown. Right. Um, you know, so, um, you know, not how, don't know how that's going to look at when it comes to the economy over there. Uh, the cost of living, I would say is comparable to, you know, a, a larger city, not like one of the high-end cities, not like living in like New York or L.A. or something like that, but definitely like living in a city where your mm-hmm. cost of living is a little increased. But if you get on the outskirts of the city, the cost of living becomes more effective. So it's it's very similar to ours, I would say. The The good thing is is all of the money – when you're, you know, the tax rates over there are astronomical, right? Once you make more than like forty thousand uh, dollars or forty thousand pounds, forty-two thousand, you're paying forty-two percent taxes. When you break a hundred, I think it's about one hundred and twenty-five thousand, you pay forty-seven percent. Mm-hmm. That's the top. That's the top bracket, right? You're paying almost fifty percent taxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah which yeah. is crazy. You know. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, once you buy like a house or a car or something like that. There's essentially no more taxes involved, right? You're oh. taxed so much that, like, your tags are, like, next to free. You know I mean? You have to pay a fee for the cost of the metal and then producing it and, and whatever. Right. You know, but it's all very small, right? The cost of cars is all very similar. Housing, you know, in the center of the city is just ridiculous because it's all historic. <laughs> so it's like, right. you know, I mean, like, you better be a millionaire. You're not going to live there. Um, I would say millionaire, but fuel. at least, I mean, they measure yeah, the fuel the in liters, of fuel, so your fuel is yeah. like four times cost. as much, right, for the health insurance? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So there's like right. three and a half liters in a gallon, right? You know, so um, you're looking, you're looking at uh, uh, what was it? It was uh, one one. I'll call it one fifty five pounds, mm-hmm. which would be close to two dollars. You know, right at about two dollars per mm-hmm. liter. So you're paying, mm-hmm. oh man, what about seven bucks? That's seven bucks yeah. a, a gallon. I think about seven eight dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty yeah, standard. Yeah, yeah. But most of that now is keep in for mind, health They don't as right. Know. They don't have far to drive. Yeah. So health insurance obviously is is uh, all government subsidized over there, right? Um, right. The way that it works and is. Um, and and we did talk to the tour guys about that stuff because I'm very interested. If you have standard ailments, right, you know, or, or you're sick or, or, you know, you've got, you know, any issues or you have cancer and they catch it quick, you're in within a couple weeks, man. You know, they right. get you in, they get you in the top treatment. So she, she said when it's stuff well, like money. that, she said when you right. have early treatment saves money. 
Early treatment saves money. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Right. When you're when you're more when you have things that are more complex and your chances of dying increase, mm-hmm. they get a little bit they get a little bit more like eh, we'll get around to it when we get around to it. You know, almost expect you to die. Um, oh, great. You know, so yeah, <laughs> so, so it works a little surgery. bit like. Yeah, well, it works a little bit like like Canada in that in yeah, that aspect, yeah, yeah. you know. So, yeah, they um uh they they tend to go to other countries. Um like you know, um I talked to one guy and he said that uh you know, his grandfather had like, you know, needed triple bypass, you know, because he had like bunches of heart issues and he was right. In his seventies, so they were like, "Nah, you're good." <laughs> you know, just you know, we'll put you as in Obama the said, line. "Have a pain pill." Now, this is really interesting. Right, Actually, right. I'm yeah. to talk about other things, but this I think is more interesting for this week. We can we can save maybe Sam Bankman Freed for another week because that's not as important as this. Yeah, sure. the, the cultural differences are fascinating to me, and the economics. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. Uh, anyway, his his granddad ended up going to Spain to get his uh, stuff done. You know, cost mm-hmm. him cost him like twenty five grand. Um, mm-hmm. You know, flew over there. Got a room, got it done, and came back because he was so far at the back of the list that his chances of survival were very small. Um, they did what they yeah, could to rationing. kind of mandate it. Yeah, yeah, it's, and this is the part of the, I think that should scare a lot of people um, because you're paying yeah. all this money in tax, you're paying for all this, but they discriminate. They do, they do triage. You know, like in the military, you know, where if you have that's right the, the, in, in a military operation in a crisis, you've got those that can wait for treatment. They're okay. They're minor. You got those that are that are going to uh, you know die anyway. There's nothing much you can do except you know we'll give them painkillers and hopefully you know make their life a little easier that transition. And the people you help are the ones that are bad, but not so bad they can't be helped. So you triage everybody. Yeah. Well, it's like these systems yeah. seem to do the same thing, right? They triage. So mm-hmm. if you're if if they think if they determine, uh, and this is a famous case, I remember someone speaking to Obama and said, "Look, my my mother, grandmother, whatever, just got a pacemaker at uh, you know 102, and she's got you know maybe more good years left, and she probably does, you know." But he said, "Well, you'd be better off with a pain pill." And that's that mentality that it's like groupthink over individuals. So the United States, we believe in the individual. You know, every individual mm-hmm. life is is meaningful. I should believe in abortion and things like that. But if you, but as long as you believe life is is that every individual matters and you do what you can for every individual, that's a completely different mindset than the the group think they have over in Europe because they've been group thinks for you know they, every, the stratified society. You know, you do what your father did for for you know generations. If, if your family doesn't go to college, you don't go to college. You know, it's a very much much more mm-hmm. of a stratified society. We'll get into that too. But uh, but the whole point yeah. is just back to my own case of heart surgery. You know, what would they have said to me? Yeah. You know, I had I had what they call a mitral valve prolapse. In other words, my heart valve was not closing properly. Half my blood was going. Yeah, backwards. so you're young. You were young. They they would have. I was fifty six. Yeah, they, they would they would have fixed you. They would have fixed you because you're young. Okay, right. You know, you had, you had a lot of life left. You know, when you're when you're yeah. on the backside of your life is the things where I heard the problem. Yeah, and since you mentioned education, everything up right. to your graduate degree is covered by the country. You know, oh. so not at your not at your private most prestigious schools. You know, I mean, they have St. have St. Andrews, which has been Oxford. there since like the thirteenth. Yeah, well, Oxford's in England. Um, Some of those other places, you know, but oh, that's England. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, St. Andrews is is been there since like the thirteen hundreds. You know what I mean? Oh and it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, super swanky. Um, right. And then they have one downtown Edinburgh that, like, all the royalty, like, sends their people mm-hmm. to, you know, if they're a part of, like, the royalty bloodline, stuff like that. We don't you know, people need with, like, no un- education. Yeah. Something, yeah. something like Harvard, like, 60 grand a year, you know, um, to, to, to send your kids. So they have those there, you know, and these are schools that have, you know, been around for, you know, almost a thousand years. One of them goes back to, like, 1100. 
Um, you know, it's 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 that's pretty Magna Carta. That's that's knights in shining armor. That's old. That's old school. <laughs> it's oh, real yeah. old school. Yeah. I mean, they probably had sword well, you classes know, for gym. Scotland, <laughs> Scotland is also responsible for like a ton of modern medicine, and I didn't know that they have. They actually have a museum of surgery there because the, the, some of the major surgeons, like back in like the 1100s, were like the inventors of. Uh, they used chloroform to sedate people. You know what I mean? Because they didn't they have like you know opioids. Where they it was one of the Scottish somewhere? scientists. Huh. Um, you know, and or a Scottish, uh, you know, medical professor or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd have to go look it up at who it was. I was no, so flooded with information. But yeah, yeah, they they when we did our um, Edinburgh City tour, um, mm-hmm. you know, the lady we went by the museum there, and she went through about six or seven huge breakthroughs that you know you were like, oh my god, that came from Scotland. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like oh, interesting. Wow. You know, so you know, yeah. Anyway. And the tour guides are different, too, because as an American tour guide in San Francisco, I wasn't really trained. I, I did my own research. I developed my own tour. Uh, but in, in Europe, they're certified. I mean, these people are extremely knowledgeable. Tour guide is, is, a, is, a, is a highly paid, highly valued profession because you're the ambassador yeah. for your country. Not here. Yeah, there's a, um, there was something like a quarter of the signers on our Declaration of Independence were 100% Scots. <laughs> really 100 percent, yeah so so and she gave some of the names and i and i'd have to go look it up myself because uh-huh. uh, i was flooded with information and the reason being um you know they were a part of us fighting for our independence because they were fighting for their own independence as well right so a lot of right. people kind of got on the boat came over to america and said we don't want to be a part of england either <laughs> so, yeah yeah um you know they they ended up you know saying hey we we want to join the new world and we want to see what this is all about so uh the lady went through some of the names additionally um scotland was involved in our civil war um huh. you know so um yeah there was there was people because uh europe europe abolished slavery like uh officially she said it was completely done she said there was some small issues with it after that you know here and there but she said it was officially done in about 1830 or 1840 right, right. well um you know our civil war was just kind of boiling up you know at that point in time right yeah it was 1860 64 um, yeah 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 but yeah, yeah. Mean, so but technology played a part in that too like Eli Whitney who created the cotton gin made slavery yeah. profitable and necessary. I mean, slavery was dying of its own weight economically. Uh, culturally, no, yeah. but economically, there, there was no justification for it after a while um, because you could well, do yeah. things with you know, hired folks and things like that. But the cotton gin, all of a sudden, so t- did that technology affect England? Because we sold them a whole ton of cotton once the cotton gin was Oh, you know, she didn't, she didn't say anything specifically about that. Okay. Um, Let me just be curious. You know, so, but, but, yeah. yeah anyway, um, you know, because of Scotland's involvement in the Civil War, she said they actually fought on both sides. Um, Abe Lincoln sent over an obelisk which sits downtown Edinburgh. I got a picture of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it was put, put there in 1860 in honor of Scotland's uh, contribution to the ending of slavery in the U.S. That's fascinating. I had no idea. Uh, and I was at a oh, yeah. party. I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. <laughs> when I went there in my twenties. I ended up singing in a pub, <laughs> you know, in Canoosie, this little town uh, south yeah. of Inverness. But uh, the Scots here are fabulous. Um, interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get our report, and then we can come back. I think it's. Uh, but I'm curious, just like I say, the, if that independent spirit leads to a stronger economy, I guess would be my next question. But let's get uh, let's get the report before we forget, and just you know, because I love talking travel. I mean, I, I could do. I, yeah. I, we used yeah, to yeah. have a whole section. We had a whole travel reporter. That's that's all we talked about was travel. Um, so that was yeah. fun too. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy, um, you know, anytime I take any of these trips or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, we got a cruise with some friends coming up, um, you know, mm. I'll do my best to try to, I, I can't necessarily be your, your travel guide, but, you oh, know, no, I mean, no, I but just talk about it on, on experience. See, you're so naturally yeah. curious. This is why I love having you on the show, because you're so naturally curious about everything. Um, that is yeah. just fascinating. I mean, you, you don't go to Scotland and, and do the tour thing and go, oh, that was nice. And, you know, you know, where's dinner and what's the hotel like and all that kind of stuff. You actually talk to people. You know, and, oh, yeah. and find yeah. out what's going yeah. on. I'm generally so curious. I mean, I, yep. I always get their currency. Like every every place I've ever traveled, uh, their currency is is very important to me because it's a part of their history. Um, you know, their history is normally stamped on it. So I try to get a few denominations of it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I do collect it. Um, you know, I generally curious about how their economy works. I do look up real estate when I'm over there, uh, cars, cost of cars, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, their culture is extremely important to me. You know, I mean, also, you know, I mean, the rich history of their alcohol. I brought home a ton of scotch. <laughs> so, um, so is this your first time I experienced quite a bit from Scotland? Went to some or, of these, or, I'm sorry, go ahead. Was this your first no, time? No, I, I went to some of their old pubs and things. Okay. Yeah. No, no I was just saying, ahead. is this your first time with? Oh, okay. No, single malt scotch, scotch, which is you got to have it in Scotland. Just like the the best wines in California are actually in the wineries. The minute you take it out of the winery mm-hmm. and it goes in a truck, it, it loses. It just keeps losing quality. But single yeah. single malt scotch from a distillery. I mean, the the stuff, the hundred year old stuff in a barrel. Uh, did you try some of those uh, really amazing uh, blend? Uh, about about the oldest uh, one I tried was forty five years old. Um, That's not bad. You know, but, it, but really, I'll tell you, like, a, between an 18 and a 45, there's not much flavor difference, you know, in, okay. in my opinion. And I am a scotch drinker through and through. Mm-hmm. That's just right. me. That's my flavor palette. I'm not speaking for other people that would argue that. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, you know, and it has nothing to do with a price difference. Like, really, right. you know, I mean, I had this 45 and I had an 18 of, a, of, a, of another brand. And I'm like, I'd rather have the 18. You know, this one tastes more smooth, more more flavorful to me, you know. So, um, you know, I brought back, um, you know, a bunch of minis and, you know, um, three <laughs> bottles. One bottle I that's got wonderful. for somebody because it was from – it's a, a good friend of mine that's that's actually Scottish. And I got a bottle from his – um, royal area, you know, the area that they lived and it was made by his, his family lineage. So I brought oh, him wow. back that one. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, um, oh man, uh, I got the name and I did, I just lost it. Um, McClinchy or McClinch, McClinchy or something like that. Anyway. Um, something. And then I brought back two, <laughs> two bottles that uh, are not imported to the U S yet. Um, they probably will be, um, right. But I, you know, I bought a couple pricey bottles that uh, ones that really hit my flavor palette. Does scotch get better in the bottle? Like wine does up to a certain point, and then it turns to vinegar. So you got to time it. Um, I didn't. Does scotch that. improve, or is I it pretty stable once I it's in the bottle? That. You know, did, didn't didn't ask. Don't know. You know, I mean, um, but they we do. You know, I mean, depending on where you are in Scotland, um, you know, there's different flavor palettes from the lowlands to the midlands to the highlands to Edinburgh to the to the Islas. You know, I mean, like, uh, they're, they're, the flavor palettes uh, are, are all different, like hugely huh. different. I'm not even talking yeah. about just a little bit. You know, if you're, you know, if you're somebody that doesn't appreciate hard liquor, then, you know, you're going to be like, oh, it all tastes the same. <laughs> um, you know, but. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it, yeah. it tastes different. But, uh, yeah, anyway, it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. But uh, I'm just thinking. Uh, let's see, we got about five minutes left. Um, but economy. Do you find that the independence of the of the Scots are now are they fully separate from from the euro and, and the European Union? Did Brexit go through? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. So they're all self-governed. Yeah, yeah. So, but they are. They are dependent upon 
upon upon uh, Great Britain. You know, I mean, they are very dependent upon what goes on with them. Now, again, they are trying to separate because you know they are their own independent nation with inside that is kind of belongs to what what is called the UK, the United Kingdom. You know, yeah, she, <laughs> she described our tour guide described, you know, what is the United Kingdom and which few countries it excludes, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, there, and she gave like a little rhyme because there's like an easy way to do it. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to get. Yeah. Yeah. And in the UK, just for those um, and, and having been there, I've toured, my, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, most of it. I mean, I hitchhiked all over Ireland back when that was legal. Yeah. Uh, I went to Wales is a place you'd probably like to. If you like Scotland, I think you'd love Wales. Uh, it's it's yeah. uh, it's completely different. It's almost like it's its own nation. It's about half the cost yeah. of London. And so it's, it's a great place like Cardiff and some of those other. I went to a place called Mahuncliffe. Again, hard to pronounce, but you've got such different people. And it's hard to imagine that a country the size of England ruled, but the sun never set on the British Empire. I mean, India, yeah. you know, the, 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 the Far East, the Middle East, you know, Africa. I mean, there were colonies, North America. I mean, they tried to have the world. And it's this little place. Oh, yeah. Where, where did they yeah. get all the people to do that? You know, yeah. It's quite amazing. <laughs> Let's make babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take over everywhere. All right, we got about three or four minutes yeah. left before Candy gets here with the the Black Mama Bear cool. Gun Report. I just like saying that, yep. by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's get the report in and then uh, see if any last minute questions. No worries. Um, all right. Good morning, everybody. This is Derek with um, the Action Radio Financial Report. Stocks closed sharply higher. Equities rose on Thursdays and Thursday in response to the combination of strong earning results, uh, pullback in yields and favorable economic data. The S&P 500 finished over 1.5% and leadership was ba- uh, and the leadership was balanced with all 11 sectors of S&P 500 moving higher for the day. The interest rate on sensitive real estate sector was a standout rising by over 3%. Additionally, small cap stocks were under strong were another strong performer rising over 2.5%. Government bond yields closed lower, particularly in the long end of the curve, and the 10-year yield finishing at 4.7%, while the two-year was little changed on the day. On the earnings front, Starbucks rose by nearly 10% due to stronger-than-expected earnings and revenue results. Markets focus will shift to technology heavyweight Apple, who is set to report earnings after the market closed today. Together, earnings have us thus far exceeded expectations, uh, with the third quarter S&P earnings now expected to post the first quarter of year-over-year growth since the uh, third quarter of 2022. Uh, Today, the U.S. equities closed higher, with the Dow Jones up 565 points, or 1.7%, to 33,839. NASDAQ closed up 233 points, or 1.78%, to 13. 294 and the S&P 500 closed up 80 points or 1.89% to 43.18. Again in the bond market, 10-year treasury is at 4.67%. In the commodity markets, price of crude oil was up $1.98 or 2.46% to 82.42 and the spot price of gold was up $4.50 or 0.23 to 1992 or $1992. This is Derek with Action Radio, uh, you can get me at 850-995-0082. <laughs> right. A couple of quick questions. Um, the, the price of gas around here yeah. is going down. 
uh, and the yeah. price on the world market, you know, despite cutbacks, despite wars, you know, despite all these things going on, uh, the price of, of gas around here is under $3 a gallon, yet it's like seven, six, $7 in California. So it's really not dependent on the world oil price. There's, there's local economies and local regulations and supply and, and demand involved with this. Do you know why? I'm not complaining. I'm just curious as to why in, in a recession our gasoline prices are going down. Um, so our gas prices are going down because – our gas prices are very dependent upon um, a mix of what is called Brent crude and crude oil, right? Brent okay. crude is essentially from the U.S. Crude oil is you know, from everywhere else. That's an easy way to describe it. Okay. When you have California, they have their own special gas. So they're right. kind of an outlier in that, right? Um, you know, so it's kind of hard to pin them down. But, you know, everywhere else, um, you know, when we were up around $87 a barrel, you were seeing gas at, what, 350 You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 350 around here. You know, now that it's gone down, you know, 5 bucks a barrel, you know what I mean? Now we're, we're, we're trailing close to 3 bucks again, right? You know, so, um, you know, it's, it's very dependent upon what the Brent crude and crude is. So Brent crude typically is a little bit more expensive than crude because it's a little harder for us to get than it is for – you know, the, the, the Middle East over there. The Middle East goes and kicks sand and oil pops up out of it, right? right. You know, for us, we <laughs> got to dig a little deep, right? Well, we got it's, it, though. It's, it's, it, Trump says we got it. We do. So I, I, it's just yeah. using a little little analogy there, right? Um, right. You know, so, you know, for, for us, we are very impactful. Now, over in Europe, for example, you know, talking talking there, they don't have a lot of resources. So every bit of theirs is either piped in or imported, Right. You know, right. there's no resources. So the cost there, don't they? Um, don't they have the North again? Sea? They have the North Sea. They, That's their drilling. They, they do, but it's still piped. It's still piped in, and there's not many refineries, right? Okay. You know, gotcha. so you know, it's it's you know, for them, um, you know, it's 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 also a tax thing, right? You know, they they are you know crazy on you know taxing automobiles, taxing, um, you know, taxing. Um, um, you know, uh, fuel the it, because the transit system over there is set up for you, right? There's buses, there's trams, there's trains. You know, you don't want to. I mean, the taxis for short stuff because the taxis are pretty expensive. I mean, yeah. we went, oh man, we went like six kilometers or seven kilometers, and it was like fifteen pounds. You know, twenty bucks. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. You know, you do. Yeah, yeah, I've got candy here, so we're going to uh, shorten up a little bit yep. only because I have a guest at uh, 9 o'clock, so we're, we're kind of compressed today. Let me just ask you, I'm going to make her line yep. live. Um, just one more quick question, though, on uh, golf. The, the Scots and yep. uh, Candy, uh, Derek just got back from Scotland. So the Scots invented golf. Ooh, have they been able fun. to, exactly, have they been able to uh, make that a, a part of their economy? Because it seems like we kind of took over their game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. You go over to St. Andrews. Um, right. There's like six courses on St. Andrews itself in the area. There's like 15 courses, um, uh-huh. you know, that over there, the housing cost over there is like triple what it is um, in Edinburgh. Right. So right. Uh, they have created an economy for golf. And oh, by the way, when I was there, uh, it was the Ivy League tour. So like Notre Dame was there, Vanderbilt, oh, um, UNC, you know, I mean, like uh, Georgetown, like all That's the Ivy League money's were going. there <laughs> They're all spending it. Right. Balance. Right. <laughs> yeah, they were they were over there playing a tournament. So, you know, there was no way and I am a golfer. There's no way to get on. Um, but uh, yeah, they have made an economy over there and, they, and there's a museum. So I took pictures of the history because I am a golfer. But yeah, right. they, uh, um, you know, they invented it and it all started right there at St. Andrews. 
That's fascinating. Candy, just to cover reports, do you have any questions about Scotland? Uh, anything at all? That I know I put you on the spot here, but you haven't thought about this. So I'm just curious. <laughs> anything you've always wondered? Um, actually, I do. I was wondering, the next time you go, can I go into one of your carry-ons or something like that? I'm potty <laughs> trained. I'll be very, very quiet. And if you just yeah. slip me some chicken in there with me, I'll be good the whole flight. I'll be nice and quiet. <laughs> Oh, well, it's funny. Yeah. Manny, you're you're on. I mean, I I will definitely go back. Um, you know that that is a place that you need to spend a few weeks in. Um, you know, I was there for about eight days, and it was not nearly enough. Uh, beautiful. Yeah. You know, I mean, the weather was terrible when we were there. You know, I mean, it rains well, and it's terrible, dingy, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, it's still it's it, it the the history. I mean, the people. I mean, my gosh, I use this analogy as well, and I'll let you guys get on. I know you're short on time. Um, yeah. I got great service at McDonald's. <laughs> so, well, that's you know, fascinating. Like, no, you can stick around. Yeah, I, it, just, uh, I just yeah. have to make sure. And it, but well, you have to go pretty quickly. Yeah. I was going to oh. say, too, I'm loving what you're saying. So I, I'm, I'm cool with hearing you out because every time <laughs> okay. I see Scotland, all I see is rich and lush and green. And, and I just imagine myself being in the middle of beauty like that. And just hearing you talk is reaffirming that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get to Scotland. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is. Well, you got to get to the Scottish countryside. The city is the city. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's it's not like a bunch of big skyscrapers like New York. I mean, they go up about 10, 15 floors, maybe some of them higher, a little bit higher. Uh, but, you know, the, the architecture, you know, most of Edinburgh goes – I mean, they got places that go back to, like, you know, the 1200s, right? Um, but, you know, most of the city was kind of uh, erected in the 1700s, um, you know, but uh, the building that we were staying in, the hotel, uh, has been there since, uh, like, uh, 1812, um, and they've just continued to, like, renovate it and bring it back up. Also, the hotel we were staying at was where Harry Potter was was uh, was written. J.K. Rowling, they have a suite in there called the J.K. Rowling Suite, and they painted the door purple and put a little owl on the knocker. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it's it's uh it's called the Balmoral. If you want to look it up, it's in Edinburgh. Um, okay. You know, it's a pretty swanky hotel. Um, you know, but sure. uh, there was actually there was two actors that were there at the time, um, and they couldn't advertise who it was. I actually ran into one, um, but I couldn't place who he was. And I asked him who he was, and he goes, he goes, I appreciate it. He says you're right, but I'd rather not tell you. And I was like, okay, I got ah! <laughs> Did you get a picture? Who? Well, well, the little facial. I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, he was there with his family, and it just—it's uh-huh. going to eat me up inside because I—I don't forget faces. But uh, ah! uh, you'll see it one day. One of the when guys, you, the, the, the bellhop, yeah. said two weeks before we were there, Samuel L. Jackson was there, and he—he was spending time in the whiskey bar there. Um, and you know, people were just kind of chatting with him. That would have been beautiful. I would have loved that. But no, that's, uh, that's, yeah, no, anyway, that's Scotland. That's. Him. <laughs> Yeah, they don't yeah. go on personality there. It's it's a you will see. It's like uh, being uh, when Bruce Springsteen was uh, you know world famous was still fairly young. You could go into a bar and sit down you know and chat with Bruce Springsteen and have a beer. It was that kind of thing. There are places like that you can do that. And and the stars oh, yeah. that are real yeah, yeah. people. Well, he the, said. Yeah. Well, well, so I mean, over in Scotland, you know, I mean, they they are very courteous. You know, they're not going to swamp them like Americans are. And I'm not right. that type of person. I I've ran into. Uh, you know, I've ran into to, to people like that before, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, if, if I could sit down, I mean, I'd buy him a glass of scotch and just be like, hey, I appreciate your films. You know, it's a pleasure to meet you. Would you mind if I get a picture? Um, 
I, yeah. I really actually I want to get a video and I want to stand there and I want to say MF or you know like you do in all your movies. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was I'm like, no, they didn't talk with Samuel L. Jackson. They swore right. with Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'd have to well, get that. But uh, now it's I recommend it highly to everybody. Um, you know, it's it's uh, you know you can get plane tickets at cost. You don't have to stay at the swanky hotels. There are right. things you can get that are very efficient. Um, you know, you don't have to eat at the swanky restaurants. You know, so I mean, you could you could really put yourself together a good trip over there for. It probably costs you if you if you wanted a really good experience. You know, about three grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not bad. That's uh, not bad, know. honestly. That's not yeah. bad at all. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really you good know, at budget you travel. From Europe. Yeah, go ahead, Kenny. You mentioned you mentioned one thing that, that makes me really sad here in America when you were talking about the buildings and, you know, how they're not very tall and all that. I'm looking around, like, especially where I live, and we mm-hmm. are constantly tearing down all the old buildings. We're 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 destroying our architectural history, and that that yeah. just breaks my heart. And that so just I'll give you my heart. I, I, we're throwing up this prefab yeah. crap and getting yeah. rid of the stuff that stood the test of time, and it just breaks my heart. Some of it has, and I'll give you I'll give you a testament to that, um, or actually a, a, a help you understand it. The architecture that's over there, um, they really they use big big stones. Everything was embedded, and it's the whole the whole countryside is like almost all granite. It was carved out of a glacier a hundred million years ago, um, so it's a giant rock, right? Very stable. Where we build and what we did, while the architecture was still really good, the ground was not necessarily all as stable, and we didn't use the architecture that they used. Right? It was literally a third oh, okay. of what they did. So, so you know, while you know when they're tearing these down, sometimes I will agree it's because somebody didn't want to pick up the cost, and capitalism is 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 evil sometimes, right? Um, you know, but but uh, you know they they really. They put the time and the money into it. Like I will tell you, the houses and stuff over there. Look, there ain't no Dr. Houghton over there, right? <laughs> like it's like it's right. everything is built. Everything is built with care, touch, you know, and built to last. I mean, and now I'm sure if you get out in the countryside, you know, um, you're gonna see some trailers and things like that. You know, I mean, we saw a little bit of some of some lower cost of living areas, you know, but it's, you let know, me tell you. It's still a trash out there, laddie. I'd be curious to get out yeah. there. In the <laughs> yeah. with, Very with few and far Havish and his Scottish rifle. Sorry. Well, they call them, they actually call them, they call them caravans. <laughs> so oh, okay. It's not a call the trailer. Yeah. Oh. So uh, caravan anyway, yeah, it's, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, they actually refer to them as gypsies. <laughs> gypsies, yeah, yeah. Well, it's always yeah. been my intention um, to have Action Radio travel as a group. And so I don't think I've yeah. told Candy about this, but we have our own cruise and travel person, um, Shelby Frenette. And Shelby was the real-life Julie McCoy from Love Boat. She's got like 2,500 cruises. She knows travel. She's an absolute wow. expert. Um, wow. I've, got a friend in, I've got a friend in Belize, uh, Alan Dawson, who's a tour guide there. I want to spend a week down there with mm-hmm. all of us. And so I've always had travel plans. I just don't have a travel budget yet because, the, you know, we are oppressed, suppressed you know, restricted and uh, basically the, the powers that be wish we'd go away. But as soon as we break through all that and, and start making, uh, you know, a big income and a big splash, I've got all kinds of plans for travel. I mean, we're going to England. We're all going if we can, as many as we can. Every, everything from our, our teenage reporter Sweet. all the way up. 
So, yeah, yeah because yeah. we're going to do cruises. We're going to do all kinds of things. So uh, stay healthy, everybody. Stay young. Stay exercised. We're good. i got big plans. I'm going to get out of here. I took, uh, took too much of your time. I'll let you get on to your next guest. I uh, appreciate okay. it. It was a, a good 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 show today. Yeah, you should overlap more often. Candy, Thanks call in earlier. We can talk, uh, you can talk to Derek. Go ahead. Candy? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, huh? if you call in earlier, you can talk to Derek. Saying. And Derek, you can just listen in if you want. So feel free to stick around if you can. Okay. Candy, go ahead, and then I'll play your theme. Okay. All right. <laughs> go ahead and play the theme. I've been ramped up we... for it. I love my theme. <laughs> Derek hasn't heard this we'll yet, see you so guys. here we go. Here we go. All right, bye. Oh, I'll hang on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll hold on. Every once in a while, you run across someone who doesn't quite fit the image of who you expect. And sometimes you get totally surprised. This is one of those times. Candy Petticord is a facilitator of A Girl and a Gun, a state leader, D.C. Project, Women for Gun Rights, a training coordinator, Buckeye Farms Association, a board member of Faster Save Lives, an NRA life member and training counselor, and a USCCA instructor. And for the rest of the story, you'll just have to listen to Candy Petticard, because this is the Black Mama Bear Gun Report on Action Radio. <laughs> I just love saying that. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yes! <laughs> okay, Black That's Mama Bear, it's all you. In my soul. <laughs> I tell you, every time I hear that, it just hits me in my soul. I'm like, yeah, baby. <laughs> well, let's go. What's going on in gun world? Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, what's going on in Candy's gun world is I am sitting in um, an Airbnb in Georgia. Uh Um, I am going to be conducting a three-day medical class. So I'm super, super excited about that. Yes. Why medical class? Very in-depth, very intense. Um, because I carry a firearm with me everywhere I go. And while my goal is to put holes in someone who would be attempting to hurt me, the reality is I may also receive some holes in the process of doing that. So I need to be prepared care of me should that happen. And I think that's what a lot of people, um, a lot of people with firearms don't understand. We all right. want to be that guy who takes out the bad guy with two to the chest, one to the head, and we never, you know, we, we emerge unscathed. But the reality is that's highly unlikely. If you're in any type of confrontation, you are looking for bumps, bruises, scratches, cuts, um, and unfortunately, the potential for penetrating wounds. What are you going to do about that? Because I'm a firm believer that the term first responder is a slight misnomer because if I'm engaged in a defensive situation, my first responder is not somebody who's responding to my phone call. My first responder is me. I'm the first person on the scene who has to deal with that. I need to have the knowledge of if I've been shot in the arm or something like that, I need to know, number one, that I have the equipment to take care of myself, but I need to know how to use that equipment to keep me hanging on 
until EMS can get to me. Because what a shame it would be for me to defend my family valiantly and bleed out waiting for EMS to get there. That, that's can you, silly. Can you put a tourniquet on yourself, for example? I can. Um, I'm working on doing it faster, obviously, because, mm-hmm. of course, when you're by yourself and under no pressure, you can do it in five seconds flat. But, yeah. yeah, but tell your kids to come in and watch you and time you, and it takes you a good five minutes. <laughs> by which which time is like one minute too long. <laughs> it's like one or two minutes I know, too right? long. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, fine, yeah. You know, this is actually a really good point, and this is something that, uh, I mean, I, I did first aid. You know, I got a first aid merit badge in Boy Scouts, and I studied first aid. And I did, as a tour guide, I took CPR and things like that. So I'm actually not bad, but out of currency. And so, but I've never done the tourniquet, and I, I carried a bunch of bandages in my pack because I had a kit, and we went everywhere and did everything. We climbed things, and you know, stuff happened, and we, we both needed our, our our bandages and things. But I never went as far as the tourniquet or or any kind of major blood stopping thing like that. Um, but it was certainly, uh, you know, it's certainly not a bad idea. And that's that's something that's very valuable. It'd be interesting if that came along. If if people if that was automatically part of a concealed carry class was first aid. Uh, that's something that uh, John's on the line too, so I'll bring him on in a little bit. But that's something I think that would should be just automatically incorporated in. Here's your here's your your carry class. It doesn't have to be for a permit, but just people responsibly getting a carry class. You know, and then say okay, so here's your carry class. Here's your first aid. Here's what you do. You know, in, in CPR we did babies, kids, uh, and, and adult teenagers and adults. And you kind of divide it up as to what you're going to do for different care because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, especially these days, we, we're going to have uh, 8 to 15 million illegal aliens by the time uh, Brandon Obama gets out of office. That's a horrible situation. Those people are going to commit crimes, millions yeah, upon millions of yeah, extra crimes in this country. And yep. so we're, yep, yep, we're yep. importing an entire crime force. And you have to know both how to defend yourself and how to repair yourself. This actually makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, you brought up um, an issue, two things that I wanted to address. Number one, Mm -hmm. um, I I need our listeners to understand that there is a huge difference between first aid and trauma medical. You need both. Because first aid bumps, bruises, boo-boos, hot spots when you're training on the range. You know that hot spot you get on your uh, next to your trigger finger. Um, we, we know how to take care of those. We know I don't get that. You, you don't get hot spots? No, what's Ooh. a hot spot? Okay, so a hot spot, at least for me, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm doing this from my own experience, but for me, I get hot spots when I'm shooting a smaller firearm, think a 365, something along that size, and I'm shooting it for an extended amount of time, I will get a callus on the finger next to my trigger finger because that's the finger that is aggressively resting against the base of the uh, trigger guard. Oh, so that friction from me shooting all day long, that little bitty gun, I'll get a hot spot on there. And a hot spot is, ouch, I don't want to touch that. Ouch, it's making it hard to shoot. Ouch, it hurts. But I'm not going to complain to anybody because, remember, I'm supposed to be Jane Wick in disguise. And <laughs> exactly. So, but you just smack a Band-Aid on that and keep going. That's yeah. first aid. Trauma medical is someone has gotten shot. Um, there is arterial bleeding. There is a sucking chest wound. There is they could have a potential pneumothorax. You need to know 
what to do and what not to do with these people um, to help them. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up is Mm -hmm. in the tragedy that happened at Sandy Hook, so many of those little babies lost their lives simply because they bled out. And we will probably never know how many of those pumpkins could have been saved people had had tourniquets on the scene and knew how to use them. A lot of people, especially my age, uh, we we were under the mistaken impression that you didn't want to use a tourniquet because we grew up with, if you put a tourniquet on and you leave it on too long, that person's going to lose that limb. Well, who wants to cause someone to lose an arm or a leg? Now we know that is not the truth. That's not the truth at all. Tourniquets can be left in place upwards to six to eight hours, and that person still has a really, really good chance of recovery and use and and, uh, regaining the use of that limb. However, if we don't apply a tourniquet, that person is going to bleed out in a matter of minutes. So it's, it's not a matter of, oh, I don't want them to lose their arm. It's, oh, I don't want them to lose their life. So it's, it's huge. The, the, my thing is, if you don't do anything else for all that is holy, learn how to use a tourniquet and carry at least one of them on your person all the time. Because yeah. that tourniquet in your, parking, in your car, parked in your car in the zoo parking lot a mile away, does you no good when you need it right then and there. Yeah, it's got to be, I Sorry, carry a backpack with all, all my stuff. Boxes. That's, yeah, no, that's one okay. of my no, soapboxes. Yeah. Do they have quick, do they have quick put on tourniquets? I mean, are they, are they like a, like instant tourniquet? <laughs> you know, do, do you just rip yeah, it out of the right. package and, and throw it on? I mean, they'll do it. Yeah. Yes, they do have instant tourniquet. Actually, it's called go okay. to a training class and practice, practice, practice. Using a tourniquet, is no different than using your firearm. Just like you cannot expect to get out of bed one day after years of not touching your firearm and think you're going to be marksman level, same thing with the tourniquet. You've got to practice with that puppy. If you don't, it's going to show. Yeah. Just to give you an example of how, how extreme this can be, I play a lot of guitar. And I can tell, if I miss one day of practice, like I usually do on Sundays because I'm busy working and doing other things, by Monday, I can already tell that I've missed a day of practice. That's how critical it is. It's a daily thing. Uh, now, this may be not as extreme with, with uh, guns, maybe weekly or, or depending on the skill level you have. But if you're a competition, you're doing it every day. I'm basically, I'm almost like amateur yes, competition are. level guitar. And so this, the skills you have, it doesn't mean you're, you know, if you, you learn it, but you can lose it. I mean, a lot of these things are perishable. And I think people forget just how perishable they are. I'm reminded if I ever take two days off guitar playing, I suck. <laughs> you know, it takes me an hour to I get back to right. where I was. Uh, it takes me an hour of practice just to get back to where I was, you know, a couple of days previously. So that first hour of practice doesn't get and me you know any better. I'm just catching up. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yes. You are coming back to where you were. And mm-hmm. the older we get, the more important it is for us to remain consistent because we lose it faster. Like my kids, I can go to the range with my kids. We Mm -hmm. can go on a Monday and then we go again the next Monday. The kids have lost nothing. I've lost a little bit of my accuracy. I can tell the kids they've lost none. 
But I think part of that has to do with the age gap, too. I'm, what, 30 years older than my kids? So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it it makes a difference. Those of us who are older, we have to work harder to maintain the skills that we have, whereas these young folks, they just hop up, oh, bam, 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 and keep going. So it's important we need to realize that as we get older, we need to be more consistent, not less. That's interesting. Do you shoot at a higher level than they do, or are you shooting at the same level? So I'm, I'm trying to compare apples and apples here. Um, I will be honest. Um, if I go and I practice every single day, um, I can be on their level. But truth be told, my kids smoke me every time. And <laughs> believe it or not, uh, ego aside, that makes yeah. me happy because accomplish nothing if I've trained them to be where I am. I've accomplished nothing. The fact that they can outshoot me, outmaneuver me, outmanipulate me, I am happy. I'm a happy mama bear because that's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. want because they are going to The baby bears me. will protect you. <laughs> baby bears will exactly. My baby yeah, bears right. are going to protect me. And more uh-huh. importantly, my baby bears can protect themselves. And that's my whole goal. That's my entire goal. To, for them to be able to protect themselves and for them to go out and teach others to do the same. To me, that's mission accomplished. I'm a happy mama bear. Interesting. Um, but did you start shooting later in life than they did? I mean, you, you probably trained them from the time. Oh, they my did. God, you know, yeah. The, Yes. Okay. So, so if you don't have those, those original motor skills, like I didn't shoot until I was in my thirties, early thirties. Ah, I got you beat. I didn't shoot until how old am I? Da, 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 da. I started when I turned 50. Okay. So that might make a difference too. Now with, with, uh, uh, as far as hand eye coordination stuff, I started playing piano at five. I hated it, <laughs> you know, um, but I've been playing music my whole life. And so to pick up a guitar, uh, except for that little unfortunate gap I call marriage, but uh, other than that little uh, introdu- in- intermission, um, you know, I play guitar pretty not consistently. And, and so what's that now? I said I'm not touching that. Cause no, that's fine. I, no, I no. won't lie to you. My sweetheart uh-huh. is my best friend, and I love him to pieces. That's my honey, <laughs> which is how we ended up with the 12 kids. So, well, of course. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was an accident. You didn't suddenly wake up and go, oh, 12 kids. How did that happen? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Well, we were still trying to figure it out, and it just took us like 13 times before we figured it out. Oh. Okay. So you must have a big bear cave. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Um, oh, my gosh. No, actually, we don't. And, and people cringe when I tell them. We have 14 people in a house with one bathroom. I'm going to leave you with that mental image. <laughs> Suddenly a Charmin commercial comes to mind, but I'm not going to go there either. Anyway, <laughs> <sighs> the things we talk about on this show defy description. All right. Well, let's, hey, you, let's get back said, for a you said yeah, you get that person who defies mm-hmm. everything you expected. That's oh, I, you know. <laughs> You're in the right place. There's no doubt about that. Um, I want to, I want, with, with things, let me switch the subject a little bit here, and then like I said, I'll bring John on the bottom of the hour, so a couple more minutes. Um, with everything that's going on the um, against, 
you know, firearms, our rights and things like that. We had another tragedy in Maine. It was preventable because it was a gun-free place. They advertised no guns. So, of course, it's a target zone. Uh, people in Moose and Maine think it'll never happen here. So they're in denial. Uh, and, of course, the, 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 whatever you don't think is going to happen is going to happen. I, mean, I, I look at life that way. Right, what can happen here that I'm not expecting? I'm always looking at the, the inverse. But they weren't prepared for it. They weren't mentally ready. They, they, uh, you know, they, they knew this person, the whole story. Um, but I think the gun community is not fighting back enough. You know, what they really should be saying is we need to abolish all these gun-free zones because they're really victim target zones. You know, our bill, uh, tax deductions, tax credit for firearms, hearing protection. We talked about taking su- suppressors off the list of uh, banned products. I was talking about with John Moore, I think, after you last week. You know, there's no, the biggest problem with the gun rights movement I see is that they're always on the defensive. They never take the offensive, yet we've got the bills right here. And I've talked to Cheryl Todd, who has her own show. I've talked to various other folks at DC Project. You know, and there's still this is reluctance to take the offensive. Excuse me, what the hell is the problem? <laughs> What's going on here? Candy? You know what? If I, if I knew the answer, um, mm-hmm. we could solve a lot of issues. And I won't lie to you, there's been many a day that I've sat in a chair and I've asked myself, why are we not? Why are we mm-hmm. allowing this? Why, why are we? But it is so much more complicated than either you or I understand. And I'm learning that the more trips I take to D.C. with uh, Women for Gun Rights, used to be D.C. Project. Um, the oh, they more changed the name? I make there, the more, yes, oh, yes, know. we are now. Women for Gun Rights, simply because um, DC Project kind of limited our focus, and we wanted people to understand that we're fighting for gun rights all across America. Okay. And it's not just a DC focus or anything like that. We want ladies and men to be talking to their leaders at the state level, at the county level, at the city level not just at D.C. because, and one of the things I presented is in Washington, nine times out of ten, they're only reflecting what each state is telling them to reflect. So we need to put the pressure on at the state level and at the city level and at the county level before Mm -hmm. we can expect any changes at the federal level. And a lot of people don't understand that. I work the polls for elections, and it breaks my heart because unless there is a presidential election, you see almost no one at the polls. And that tells me people are lacking the basic understanding that your voting privileges and voting rights need to start at the school board, you know? (laughs) It's not just at the presidency. Who are you voting on the school board? Who are the people that you're putting in positions to make decisions about what is going to be taught to the children? That, that it, it, it starts at that grassroots level, and it grows from there. So to be honest with you, um, if the gun community really wanted to make an offensive, I think mm-hmm. our offensive attack needs to start with who are you putting in office? Are you voting in office people who have the same values and same concerns that you do? If they don't, you need to vote them out and get in people who reflect 
your your morals, your values, your views, your concerns. And that starts at the lower levels, not at the presidency. It's too late by then. It's too late. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. I'm uh, I deal in legislation more than personalities because everybody else is, is dealing with the the actual political figures, which is fine because no one else is dealing with what we do. Um, so so that leads to my last question: Is the the slogan used to be education, not legislation? And as someone who deals in legislation as a primary focus, I always wondered about that. Uh, do you, have you changed that emphasis a little bit so we can include a little no, more legislation? No, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why. When we when we put out the tagline "Legislation, not legislation," it's really quite simple. Okay, so we have the tragedy that happened in May. Tell me there is not already fifty or more laws on the books already that, that say what that lunatic did was illegal. Mm-hmm. There are already fifty bazillion laws on the books. So why are we going to do a knee-jerk response and add even more laws to make it more illegal-er? You can't do that. Well, you can't make it more illegal-er. It's already well, illegal. So how about instead of adding more laws that, if, if you look at them honestly, more laws that hamstring the law-abiding, why don't we start focusing more on educating everyone about these different areas and enforcing the legislation that's already on the books? If it's not correct the way it is now, then fine-tune it and get it to where it needs to be. But stacking new law on new law on new law on new law is accomplishing nothing. So let me let me uh, give you my view on that. It's that uh, a lot of what we do is repeal laws. And so people think just because you deal in legislation, you're always adding new laws. No, just the opposite. And we're repealing laws. We're replacing laws. We're amending laws. We're changing laws. We're getting, we're getting rid of bad Perfect. laws. So when I say – so when I deal in legislation, yes. you look at the laws we're talking about. Tax credits and deduction of guns is new law. Uh, getting rid of the silencers from the, uh, the, the banned list is new law. Uh, the other things we have going – adding gun owners to the, the civil rights criteria. Um, and ideology uh, under civil rights protections is new law, but it's replacing old law. And so the mistake is that you say we're just going to add more more gun control laws to solve the problem. That's not true. In fact, if anything, we we don't get rid of those laws because they're all all gun control laws are unconstitutional. Um, and so that's but very unfortunately, you are not you are not the the uh, view that people think of when they think of legislation. People, when they think well, of legislation, they think of that. adding more laws. Now, we need okay, to change that, Candy. so in yeah, other we, words, yeah. let's educate people. Let's educate them because you, in the last 30 seconds, you just educated me. That's okay. what we want. That's what we need. So that's what we mean when we say Well, let's educate. make it education educate and me. legislation. You know what, Greg? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if we get – well – you know what? I would love it if, say, you, for example, would say, you know what, Candy, you got, you got 20 minutes. Let's go have a cup of coffee and let's talk about something. Okay. I mean, you just educated me in 30 seconds. This is what we're saying needs to happen. We need more of this to happen. And it doesn't even have to be any kind of official get-together. Look at mm-hmm. me and you. We're just two friends talking. Mm-hmm. You took 30 seconds and brought me up to a new level of understanding. 
that's what oh, we're good. talking about. I feel Get like I've accomplished something. talking to each other. This is great. Let's, let's make it education yeah. and legislation. Yeah. Ed- education and legislation. Let's bring John in. John, I'm sure you have a lot of reaction to everything Candy said. Let's get to that, and then let's get to your topics. And I, I, owe you a theme. <laughs> I really do owe you a theme. I, 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 I get one as soon as I can. Anyway, go ahead. Candy yeah, said, no, go no, for it. Yeah, you do owe him a theme because John is awesome. He and I have been talking a little bit offline, and Man, I wish we lived closer, John, because me and you, we would be bosom buddies, dude. I'm telling you, we <laughs> no, would I know, be doing right? some damage. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, there's nothing stopping you two from doing a show together, especially if you want to put, you know, action radio, gun reporters, or something like that. I'd love to have that, but you don't have to. But you could get your own blog talk radio show, maybe do an hour on Saturdays or something like that, or whenever you, you guys can find the time to do it. Uh, you'd probably have a great show together, you know, and, th- and that wouldn't interfere with what we have oh, here. Oh, we would have an amazing show. Okay, so you guys talk about we that. That would be great. Show. Yeah. And then especially if you want to put Action Radio under it, because after all, this is where you all met. So just, you know, just putting my little plug in there. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, John. Don't forget, don't forget the grandmother that brought us together. <laughs> the grandmother? What am I, grandmother now? <laughs> how did that happen? Well, you, so you know you, how you have that grandmother that's like, well, you know that cute guy across the street is single and... I haven't seen him with a girlfriend. Why don't you go and take him a plate of cookies, darling? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, uh, I, okay. I should check out my door for someone taking me a plate of cookies. I'm looking right now, so that's uh, that would be very interesting. All right. Okay. So you know, send somebody my way, Candy. I've got You're this like, girlfriend. Nope, no cookies yet. <laughs> would like to meet you. It's like okay, you know. Okay, I'm waiting. I'm looking out the window right now. Okay, fine. No cookies yet. <sighs> But we digress. Yeah. So send me send me, send me a hot babe with a plate of cookies. I'll I'll, I'll uh, you know yeah. This is they'll have a whole report for myself. But, hey, guess what happened to me? Candy sent me a girlfriend. <laughs> I anyway. got a hot babe with a plate of cookies. Candy Graham. We'll, we'll call it a Candy Graham. <laughs> yes. Right. Candy Graham. Candy Candy's cookies. Yes. Gun report and matchmaking here on Action Radio. There you go. <sighs> okay. Yep. Oh, hi, John. Hey, John, sorry Morning. about that. <laughs> you you got you to just, between Candy and me, you just have to start speaking. Just just interrupt. Just I go know, right? Just don't be shy. I'm not going to enjoy the matchmaking. I'm good. <laughs> oh, okay, well, there you go. Okay, well, for me, it's going to work. All right. So, so, so what's on your mind, sir? What's going on? Uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I think to, one is if you want to create some legislation that's going to repeal something, repeal the Safe School Act from the okay. 1990s. That would be the first thing, because that, that prohibits any guns on any schools, uh, K through 12, within a 1,000 feet, I think, with certain exceptions. Right. Statistically, 96% of all of these mass shootings have occurred in gun-free zones. It's a massive number when you think about it. So yeah, that's it well, that's ridiculous. That's, that's, that alone is evidence to get rid of gun-free zones, and yet they don't. So what are they trying to accomplish with these things? Well, it's control. We, are, we already know what they're trying to accomplish because they want to take away the tool to defend yourself, and that's just another stepping stone to get there. But to your point is that's why we're losing the narrative. That's why our side is failing to fight. We have – the problem, I think, with gun con, – uh, not gun control, uh, Second Amendment advocates is they have the same three or four talking points that they just continue to repeat over and over and over again. Right. It's hard to win an emotional argument with statistics. So as much as I can say, hey, 96% of active shooters or mass killings or mass murders occurred in gun-free zones, 
Maine happens and everyone's pulling at their heartstrings and we've got to get rid of the tool. So I, I think our right. side needs to do a better job of defining the terms, de-demonizing the tool, which is the firearm, mm-hmm. and focusing more on the actions. Uh, it kind of goes to our, the conversation we had earlier in the week with um, your, your explanation for the Second Amendment, where mm-hmm. you know our rights are absolute, but the action of using a gun can be illegal in certain circumstances. Well, you use the guns stop, come under statutory law, whereas the constitution, constitutions limit government, I, laws limit people. And if you make that separation, you can understand it. Yeah. You disagree? No, I, I disagree on the gun front. Okay. It's not the use of the gun that's the crime. It's the action that's the crime. The act of committing okay. murder, you are no less dead if I run over you with a car or if I shoot you. But because we're, okay. we're using the terms of a firearm, it makes right. it appear like the firearm is more deadly. It demonizes the tool and allows oh, them an saying. avenue to pursue an argument that we should get rid of that tool because it causes more damage than a car. I like that argument. I like that. No, that's that's actually a really good point. I'll, I can refine my argument. This is why I, I get them out there so we can we can comment on them. But my the, the reason I, I picked uh, gun control is because we don't have hammer control or pickup control or or you know change to talk control like that in the same way. They use guns because guns are the one thing that people can use to overthrow tyrannical governments, and that's why they don't want us to have them. We know that. And so what I like the reason I picked the the division between well at least the Constitution you know limits government versus laws limit people. So if we say laws limit people, I can refine that and say that, uh, yeah. that the action that is the criminal. Once the criminal breaks the law, that's statutory. But since gun control laws are also statutory, <laughs> they're illegal because they are, the Second Amendment makes them moot. That the yeah, Constitution is above... Okay, okay. That's a, so how would you phrase it? That, so, that's my so point. I, I would, give me no, an argument. I, you can just say that. The, the right. action itself is illegal. It's not the tool that they use. You're no less dead if I stab you. You're no less dead if I shoot you. You're no less dead if I run you over. It's the action of actually committing the murder, not the tool you use to implement that. So I would just leave the argument there. I, I, I don't no, think that's... you need to go the step further to identify the tool. And, and that's, okay. that's what the left does, and that's how they're winning huh. the argument. It's these people were all killed by a gun. We need to get rid of the gun. They're, they're attributing the action to the tool. Well, that's why they call that it gun sense? violence, and I've been finding. No, I, I agree with you absolutely. They call it gun right. violence, and I, I think that's gun. why we're losing. The Never argument. the person. I think that. Yeah. Sure, I think that's why we're losing the argument because they have an emotional response, and they can they can demonize what they want, i.e., yeah. the gun. For the, the subtext is yes, they want to take it away to control us because you know we can't resist tyranny at that point. I get that, but most people don't care about the subcontext; they care about what they hear. Right. So, in terms of so, if it's what's the purpose of owning a gun? Oh, many. <clears throat> so Whatever the person as far wants. As, uh, sure, but um, as far as uh, our ability, our natural God-given right to defend ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so, the, it's the implement of our defense. Absolutely. It's the means by but, which we defend ourselves. So then what do you think about way. this argument? The purpose right. of owning a gun is deterrence. It is is a tool. That we See, can now use I would limit that too. Oppression. In, in, no, I would, in the same way that you limit my, my argument, it's very interesting because uh, I also use the same argument against when people talk about free speech. Free speech is an absolute right. You cannot restrain people before they've spoken, but once they speak and take an action, libel laws, slander laws, uh, threatening public official laws, all those laws come into play once you've taken an action. So I try to focus on the action. Now, I, I think you're right. I can focus less on the gun, but it's the action. Once you take a criminal action, regardless of what you use, that's when the statutory laws come into play. That actually makes a lot of sense. So that, that'd be a I good agree, addition. But if we're going to make an argument that people can understand, 
and right. that they can relate to. If you okay. see the purpose of a gun is not to use it, the purpose of a gun is to have its presence to deter someone from making you a victim or doing something horrendous to you. Mm-hmm. That could be an emotional argument as opposed to that's a gun I can use to kill somebody because they're going to try yeah. and kill me. Unless they say, well, if you're not using it for deterrence, you shouldn't have one. So why should you go target shooting? Because that's recreation. That's not deterrent. So it's almost like using your argument, you know, for a well, no, in order, mind. In to, order to be effective, in order to be effective right. at any deterrence, you have to be you have to be able to implement that tool in that situation. So the, the training mm-hmm. argument is absolutely you, you would need to learn how to use that tool to be able to make a deterrent. Because mm-hmm. God forbid, if it doesn't work as a deterrent, you're going to need it. Hmm. Right. This is fun. Let's, so let's do another at, one. So if you look at what's the what's the biggest killer historically? Who's been the largest um, killer or murderer throughout history? Government. It, yeah, absolutely. By far, by far, by a large number. In the last century, millions. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, two hundred ninety-three plus million. Wow. That's just the government. That's- so it's democide, wow. right? Democide is just basically the sanctioned murder of the government, and that's excluding war. That's just that's uh-huh. talking about the government killing its own people. Uh, so I, I know you, your next guest is going to talk about Mao, right? They starved between 27 million conservatively, probably closer mm-hmm. to 40, 45 million of their own people. Right. USSR did the same thing, right? Holocaust. You go down every atrocity has been from the government. That should be the biggest case for the Second Amendment in, in, in our country alone, let alone everywhere else. But if you look at it in terms of that's the deterrent. The only thing that's stopping anyone here is the fact that we have, you know, a boatload of gun owners. I think it's 80, almost, yeah, 83 million, but... almost 83 million gun owners in this world. But if you look at it in terms of a deterrent, just a deterrence alone, in the United States, they say roughly 30% of the adult population owns a firearm. So we're looking uh-huh. at 80, 82, million, 82 and a half million people. Okay. If you take the, the seven or eight standing armies, the largest standing armies in the world, they have 11, maybe 12 million active military combined. Those numbers huh. are the same. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, and it, it, what's interesting too is we have 287,000 armed bureaucrats in Washington. We have 185,000 combat Marines. <laughs> it was really right. up. Um, this, yeah, this is, this, is, this is very interesting. But here's my question, though, to you. And I'm going to have to mute myself for a second. I've got a, an unidentified caller. I want to check and see who it is. So because I'm the producer as well, I have to do a little call screen. So I'll let you guys talk, and you can just kind of get me caught up when I come back. Um, but here's a question I have for you. Our government was stolen. It was stolen in a coup. In a, in a third world or a communist catership move, our election was rigged, the, 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 uh, it was stolen, the person was, you know, Brandon was installed in the White House. Where were the gun owners? Have the gun owners protested in the streets? Have the gun owners, what have the gun owners actually done as a group to, to correct this stolen election? And the reason I'm asking is because how tyrannical would this country get before the gun owners actually do something? That's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is not that there are lots of gun owners, that, uh, that we, you know, the, the, the spirit is there to resist. I just don't know if, if the will of the organization is there to resist. That's my concern. Okay. For me or for Candy? Oh, it doesn't matter. John, we'll start with you. And then I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to listen for a little bit, then I'm going to disappear for a second. So if you, just keep talking if you don't hear me. <laughs> 
So, John, what do you think? Uh, I love it. I, I don't think we're there yet, but I do think that we're approaching that. So I, I think that because statistically gun owners are probably some of the most lawful individuals around, more uh-huh. lawful than cops, frankly, if you look at the stats. Um, yeah, isn't that interesting? I think, yeah, it, I mean, they, they did a study on it. I think um, cops commit crimes at a rate of like 100 plus per 100,000 people. Uh, mm-hmm. Concealed carry holders create, create, or I'm sorry, commit crimes at like 16 or 16 per every 100,000. So yeah, you know, four so or five, five times, times more likely to be law <laughs> right? Yeah, than cops. Five themselves. times as law-abiding as cops. That's but that leads to your argument. We, we are yeah. far more law-abiding. We're far more tolerant because we don't want to have to use it. So I think that we're going to exhaust every means possible before we have to use the gun, and that's the point right. of the deterrence. You exhaust every means thing. possible. Yeah. Absolutely, that's the point. If it okay. wasn't that way, we'd all know it. We'd be everything would be in hell to have us because it would be a complete yeah. lawlessness. Yeah, if gun ownership were a problem, we'd be the most dangerous country. <laughs> yeah. All right. Absolutely. I'm going uh, to let you do, I'll probably have to pick this up on the podcast. Let me just disappear for a quick second here and I'll be right back. So you guys chat a little bit and uh, I'll catch up with you in a second. So yeah, Candy, no your turn. So, okay. Okay. So while he's gone, what kind of embarrassing things that can we say that he can't do anything about since he's not here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't get that embarrassing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, I I would agree with you on that. Um, I'll be honest. I've sat back and I've wondered that too. I'm like, we know that X Y Z has happened. We've got the proof. We've we've got evidence. Oh my gosh! I just recently saw 2,000 mules, and I was just. Dev- Have you seen that, John? That that just so I'm like we see it we know it happened why aren't we doing anything about it but like you said maybe we're still not to that point yet because I guess I look at this the same way I do when I'm talking to my students about using a firearm in self-defense once the gun comes out that's the highest level of force. That is your absolute last resort. And I don't think it would be wise for us to jump to that step just yet. I think there are still other things that can be done before we jump to that final step. Does does that make sense? No, I agree. I I think that you're you're absolutely right. I think that it should be our last resort. we probably need to exhaust every possible solution before we get to that time. Now, I, I do think that they're trying to drive us to a point where there's going to be a flashpoint. They're going to do something that's going to cause that one incident where that'll be the, um, that'll be the modern day shot heard around the world. Yeah. No one will know who yeah. fired it, but it's going to be the flashpoint, and then that will spread like wildfire. That's what I don't think anybody on our side wants, and I think that's why we are so reserved to you resort to violence before we exhaust everything else. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, I think that uh, they underestimate us because we are quiet, because we are reserved. Um, I'll be honest. I think it, it reveals a certain maturity, a certain pensiveness, and we're people who many of us 
understand the concept of consequences of our actions. So I think we're treading very carefully. We're being very observant. We're taking notes. We are by no means complacent or oblivious. I just think we're being very, very smart about how we proceed because we know the ripple effect is going to be huge to whatever we do. So when we do act, it, it had better be freaking amazing, whatever we do. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we're starting to see that grassroots effort as well. If you look at the local school boards, the local city councils, things that are starting to turn because of all the things that happened with the China virus, where people were forced to be in a position where they had to slow down, they had to stop, and they actually had to pay attention to what was going on around them, especially with their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, and yeah. anyone who understands history, even our own history, look at the American Revolution, you know, that's that 3%er. It was only 3% of the population was dedicated to that war that fought it and sustained it and won it. So in even our terms, 3% of you know 80-plus million people is still a very large number. And yeah, we can get the job done if we have number. to. No one, no one wants to get that job done if we don't have to. No one's looking for Correct. another civil war. Correct. And I think that's, pretty cool. that's what's stopping us. <laughs> you guys are good. You should just do your own show. I've been listening for a while now. This has been good. <laughs> just to let right. you know. <laughs> Go back to me. Sit back here, guys. These two are good. Yeah, wrong, but John wouldn't do it. <laughs> you tried to do I what now? I tried to get John to do something I tried to get John to do something wrong while you were gone, and he wouldn't do it. He's, he's wait, a wait, good wait, man. What did I miss? <laughs> I must have missed that part. What, 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 what were you – go, go ahead. As, as, as soon as you said, you know, i got to step away for a few seconds, I'll be right back, I went, so, John, what can we do that he's not on here to stop, and since we're live, what can we do to totally muck things up? <laughs> And podcasts and are permanent. Like, no, no, podcasts no. are I permanent. To do with that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would have loved it. I would, so, I'm sorry John I missed whatever. It is. John, next time, John, next time, Candy has a really crazy idea. Just go for it. You got my permission. Just do it. It'd be fun. It's all good, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, so a couple things. One, uh, Gilles Van Fleet uh, is going to be on at the top of the hour. Generally, uh, the folks who who get us these amazing national guests, and she's been on before actually. She was with us July 4th. Uh, we do a Declaration of Independence reading on July 4th, so you're both welcome to do that. And everybody gets a section depending oh, on how many cool. people want to read. You know, it's great. We had like eight people last time. So Xi joined us, and she's from uh, China. Uh, she escaped uh, years and years ago, and uh, she's got a great story. But she read with – it was really good to hear, uh, you know, the, 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 the declaration with a really strong Chinese accent. <laughs> it was just fun. Uh, so we have uh, all kinds of folks reading. Yeah. Anyway, but the point is she may only be here half an hour, so the back half hour, if you want to call back in. Uh, Candy, you might be a little busy, but John, if you have extra time, because John sometimes stays yeah. the full two hours. So we'll just, uh, and we can comment yeah, on, on what she talked about. Scoot. I'm okay. actually going to scoot now because i got to go get ready uh, for my medical classes this weekend. So there if you, you guys think about me, please uh, say a prayer for me because these are going to be tough, but I'm excited for them. And I look forward to seeing you guys again next week. And John, I will probably be harassing you via email sometime next week. <laughs> no, awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, real quick question, Kenny. Do you carry a trauma kit in your range bag? Yes, I do. Good, good. Everybody should. Absolutely, I do. I used okay, we need to examples on our on gun page. We need, to get, we need examples on the gun I, page I, of, uh, 
uh, post some things that we can do, classes, trauma kits, tourniquets, you know, instruction videos, things like that. I think it would be a great thing to uh, get us all inspired to, to start looking at this more seriously. It's a fabulous idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Guys, have a great week. I'll talk to you Thanks. soon. You Thank you, Candy. Bye. Take care. Yeah, there's a ton of great products out there now, especially in the mm-hmm. civilian end for those trauma kits, you know. So there's a, there's a lot of great stuff out there right now. Well, she raised the point about, uh, about you know, first aid and beyond that trauma. But what can you do? That's a question I was going to ask Candy, too. But, it, you know, if, uh, God forbid, somebody gets shot around you or you yourself get shot, you know, with a, with a chest wound, if a bullet's gone in several inches into your chest, you know, you're bleeding. I mean, simple compressions. I mean, you need medical treatment immediately. Realistically, what, what can you do for yourself, you know, once you've been shot? It's Especially really going to critical depend. area. I mean, if- Okay. You know, if it's if it's a sucking chest wound, if you you can makeshift uh, you know something to cover that and then burp it, right? It, it's a what, what is that kind it's of a piece of plastic? Uh, it's where it punctures the lungs, so your your lungs can't get air. Um, oh, you don't have you don't have the what's um, uh, the word for it? The pressure it's like a leak in your you don't lungs. have enough pressure. Yeah, it, okay. well, it's, it's um, you're you're breathing out your chest, not through, and it's not working out. You, there's a word for it. I can't remember off the top of my head. But if you okay. tap that off, it, it's it's like putting a it's like putting a plug in a balloon. Balloons in oh. air. If you you, t- you tie the knot, the balloon still functions. So if you don't plug it, that's when you you basically asphyxiate. So there's there's ways to make these things happen. Part a lot of it's knowledge and training, but part of it's just being improvising. So like MacGyver, right? If you can MacGyver something quickly, that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. One of the best ones, though, to be honest, uh, and Vegas was a really great example of this. Vegas, they had all those people getting shot. Right. They had plenty of items on them to start plugging bullet holes to stop that bleeding. What do you think they were? <laughs> well, I don't know, miles away somewhere else? I don't know, where were they? No, 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 on them, on them. In, in the, in oh, they the, were on them. Oh, yeah. uh, things on people carrying on them? Yes. Oh, I don't know, um, handkerchiefs, wallets, uh, anything that, uh, I don't know, your hand, <laughs> you mm. know. Tampons. Oh, that's interesting. No, I don't care. You shove that thing right in there. Well, but <laughs> most women do. How many women yeah. there had them in their bags? Right. Oh, that's you, very interesting. That's, that's, that's about bullet hole size. You insert that thing. Exactly. That's you insert that size. thing. Pull it. Okay. You can right. staunch that bleeding long enough to get help. Right. Huh. But you got to think outside the box. You got to think about what's going on. Right. Most of the yeah, stuff is to stop at direct pressure. Right. But is there anybody that actually markets them for that? Yeah. Uh, well, they have quick cloth. They have compression bandage. They have uh, uh, packing material, packing bandage, packing gauze. So right. You can do all of those things. But for the average person who's not going to spend money on a kit or whatever, and you're in, a, let's say, a department store, and right. something happens, go huh. to the feminine hygiene product aisle and start yeah. packing wounds. Right. So there's there's ways to train into this. There's ways to think about it differently. But like I said, there's also you know so much stuff out there right now this good quality stuff you got to be careful where you go uh, right but you know once once you know what you're looking for and you kind of have an idea of reputable companies yeah it's it's simple to buy it's packaged um like north american rescue makes an ipoc which is this a an individual personal uh trauma kit basically and it's kind of the ones the cops carry it's right. got a tourniquet compression bandage some gloves uh some have a couple little things in there vacuum seal that's you know no bigger than I don't know, four by six at most, and uh-huh. weighs next to nothing. You throw that in your glove box or throw that in your backpack when you're hiking or you're out and about. Simple, easy. 
you know, and she's right about Sandy Hook. You know, the vast majority of those people, they say 70 plus of those victims bled out from extremity wounds. Wow. Well, there's a lot of crazy things about that we might want to talk about. They've never got a motive for the person that did it, as far as I know. It's never been really investigated or revealed. Um, the same person who was head of security was also head of, head of something in Maui. I mean, there's some, some interesting coincidences with that. And it was, uh, uh, who was the singer? Who, whose concert was it? The very patriotic singer. Uh, I don't know if that's been investigated uh, in, in terms of the audience that they went after a conservative crowd, conservative country and Western crowd. Uh, who was the singer? That he just did a big hit recently. I don't know. Yeah. Really my head. But yeah. Okay. Well, there's fine. all kinds of weird stuff going on. But you know, Sandy Hook's a good example too. That you know, they, that school was actually locked, but he shot through the glass doors and came right in. Uh, same oh, with the girl in Tennessee, the, the transgender transgender kid that shot up at Tennessee school high school. She did the right. same thing. Shot through she, the glass. She shot through the doors and came right in. Right. right. So and you know, there's a lot of things you can do to harden those targets. They make actually a bulletproof yeah. film. It's really like 12 bucks a square foot. You put on those windows mm-hmm. and make it pretty impenetrable. There's all kinds of things you can do, but the medical side truly is pretty important now. Um, hmm. And the, the technology on that has come so far so fast that, you know, I, we actually just invested some tourniquets for our classes that are uh, basically a third of the size of a full-size tourniquet, just as effective. Oh, that's interesting. So how long does it take? So it, I mean, it's not it, that it, hard it, to learn how to put five, one on, right? Five-minute job. You know, okay. five minutes of some practice. They're pretty, huh. they're, they're not okay. that hard, you know, so anyone wow. can learn this stuff. But yeah, I agree. It should be part of anybody's um, personal defense, uh, self-defense type of thing for themselves and for their families. You know? Okay. Well, I've got my guest, uh, Jeeve Van Fleet's on the line yeah. right now, so we're going to go right to her. Um, stick around, listen in. You know, I'm going to probably just mute you just in case. So we, if you have a background noise, that uh, that that uh, that'll be taken care of. But uh, this is passing. And if she only has half an hour, then you're welcome to stick around, and we can talk about uh, everything she talked about uh, after that. I'll probably, if we have time, I'll bring you in for a question. How's that? No, awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. It's be fascinating. Yeah, it is. Well, she's been on the show before, so this is kind of cool. So let me do my my traditional guest of the day um, because this is kind of a special guest. She Van Fleet. So this is from the book information, which I've been reading copiously the last little bit. Xi uh, Van Fleet lived through the horrors of the Chinese Cultural Revolution as a schoolgirl, forced to the countryside with other young Chinese for re-education after high school. That's something Hillary Clinton wants for all of us now. She later escaped communism and found freedom and a new life in America. But more than 30 years later, she disturbingly sees signs of the same cultural Marxism that ravaged her birth country of China threatening to destroy America, she now calls home. And so this is all documented in a brand new book, um, which I, I, which I, just sounds fascinating. So let me get my title right here. I'm, I'm moving stuff around a little bit. There we go. Mao's America, a survivor's warning. And so I have a terrible memory. I got to look these things up. Mao's America, a survivor's warning. Good morning, Xi. How are you doing? Welcome back. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you so, so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you back. You can call anytime you want. Like I say, you've already been on the show before. You you were reading the Declaration of Independence with us on July fourth, so you're already part of the family. So uh, oh. you never you never need an invitation. You you hear something that we're talking about? You want to call in? Just call in. Um, okay. I want to try. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. I want to try and ask you some things that you're not getting because I've I've seen you on the news. I saw you in One American News last night with Dan Ball uh, and some of the other places. I'm sure they're asking fairly similar questions. But me, I you know me, I like to do some something different. So Mao's America. Tell me about Mao. 
how did he come to power? I, as I understand it, it was World War II. Uh, Chiang Kai-shek was fighting the Japanese uh, for China. And Mao was fighting, you know, for his own, for the communists, were also fighting Chiang Kai-shek. So he was never elected, was he? He, he basically came to power in a military that, dictatorship. That. Is that how it works, or yeah. how did it work? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, okay, that's a good question. No one asked me about that, but uh, that is a long, uh, long answer. I'll try to make it short, okay. So okay. Uh, <laughs> then we have to go back to the uh, 1920s. Okay, we and can do that. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fine because a lot of people do not know, and I did not talk about that in the book because I focused on the um, after he got in power. How he got in power, yeah, mm-hmm. and how communist, uh, communism came to uh, China, they ha- will have to go back to the 1920s. We have to go back to the Versailles Treaty, Peace Treaty. And remember, oh. that was the treaty that later... Uh, uh, led to World War II, led, led to uh, led to the uh, Bush uh, uh, Bushwick Revolution in right. uh, Russia and the okay. Nazi Germany, and then also that was the cause of communism uh, become the dominant um, ideology in China because during the treaty they uh, they handed over the territory that was occupied by Japan first and then taken over by Germany and then took it and gave it back to Japan rather than give it back to China. And that really caused a lot of love of anger among the Chinese and the students took it to the streets. That was called May Force Movement. And that okay. was the, the time that uh, the Chinese intellectuals was disillusioned by the uh, Western liberalism. So now they are taking something more radical to fight against the imperialism, that is Leninism. Okay, and that led to the founding of the uh, Communist Party. And uh, the first um, meeting took place in 1921. And there's only a a dozen of uh, participants in the first meeting. Mao was one of them. And okay. so that was the beginning of how Marxism took hold or took root in China. And then and the story is really too long, but in the process, um, <laughs> uh, communists became a very, very popular uh, movement because Mao, um, in the, uh, uh, I think it's in 1926, he found mm-hmm. the key to success. What did he do? He went to the countryside. He analyzed the population and the economic situation in the rural area because he realized that's the key to the Chinese communist uh, revolution uh, is the peasants, not the factory workers, because there's hardly any industry in China. So he analyzed the situation and determined there are five categories. And uh, so the landlord, rich peasants, middle class peasants, lower middle class, and the proletariat. People have nothing. So he said, we can divide the uh, population into two classes, red class and the black class. uh, Rich peasants and landlords were the enemy of the revolution. So he promised the uh, the uh, landless or the poor peasants, follow us, and then we will give you the land, the free land. That was absolutely 
the key to the success of the uh, revolution. The peasants make CCT succeed. And um, how did Mao uh, become the dictator? That was the ruthless, ruthless class uh, infight that finally he got rid of uh, the people in the party that were the loyalists to the Soviet Union. And he was able to defeat them all and become the, the sole leader of the CCP. And that was in, in the early, uh, late 1930s. And he became um, not only the leader of uh, the military, he became a military um, leader first and then political, so everything. So he became the master of the CCP. And then he had that power until he died. And why he uh, launched the Cultural Revolution? He feel like his uh, power was threatened. And uh, okay. so he wants to uh, yeah, get back to power and make it absolute. Yeah, in a way that uh, um, during the Cultural Revolution, he made himself the god for the Chinese people. Uh, I'm, I'm asking these it, questions for a reason, because we're going to lead this into how this has happened in the United States, and I see some real strong parallels. So tell me, um, there's two things that come to mind. I'm not as familiar. This is why I'm glad I'm having you here. The Cultural Revolution and the Great Leap Forward. Uh, these are yes, different yes. time periods. Can you, can you separate those in, in my yes. mind? And what, what's the difference? Okay. So the uh, CCP succeeded in taking over power in 1949. And okay. after that, they had land reform. They, they confiscated the land from, uh, from rich peasants and the landlords and killed two million of them mm-hmm. and gave the land to the peasants. Oh, the peasants were just so happy. They loved CCP. Now they have free land. Guess what happened? Six years later, Mao said, no, no, no. You, it's, you have a better way of living. Rather than you have your own land, let's all own the land together. It's called collectivism. Collective farming. He took all the land back from the peasants. And, and meanwhile, it's called the People's Commune Campaign. So land now become part of the commune. And it's uh, supposedly everyone owned the land. But you know, it's no one owned the land. The party, mm-hmm. the state owned the land. Meanwhile, yep. they had something even more ambitious. He wanted to um, surpass United States and UK in steel production in 15 years. Why not? He had uh, back then 600 million people under his command. It's a pure determination and manpower. We could do it. So everyone Mm -hmm. was organized to do the steel production. Backyards, uh, furnaces are uh, raised everywhere. School kids, peasants. Forget about um, farming. Everyone was doing this uh, uh, steel production. And of course, it failed. Failed miserably, and so was the crop. And that started the famine. The famine lasted three years, killed up to 50 million Chinese. And after that. That's staggering. That's, you know, I I think in terms of World War II, it's such a huge number. And, but here's my question, though. I mean, China, you know, millions of people died. One person, you know, Mao Zedong had this much power. He had this much control. He dominated the population by sheer willpower. Was what did they consider him a god? Was this was he was he that much of a master manipulator? I mean, why wasn't he assassinated by somebody else along the way? How did he do this? 
to all um, of China. I think, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is absolutely the nature of uh, communism. It's okay. totalitarianism. You know, you see right. the white Stalin, white Castro had power for life, right? right. It is the, really the nature of communism. But should I go back to the story? Sure, please. Okay, so after that, you know, even though you, are, you had all the power, 50 million, you know, dead was a big deal. So he was uh, forced to admit that he made a mistake. Uh, mm. That was, did not go well for him, but he had to. Because, <laughs> no, I'm sure. Yeah, I said, okay, he said, why, uh, uh, why I choose to be the leader? Of, you know, yeah, the, the uh, policy was uh, not all that correct. So, and then he was forced to take a back seat. He was still uh, in control of everything, but mm-hmm. he, um, the, uh, the party decided that his second-hand man, uh, the president of China, Liu Xiaoqi, should be the one to, yeah, to manage the day-to-day task of the party, basically to improve the economy and to recover. That did not sit well with Mao. So that was 1963, and it took him three years to have a comeback. In 1966, he launched a cultural revolution. People okay. have to understand, the cultural revolution was a revolution against CCP. Oh. A revolution against his own party because he wanted to take down his own party, his own institution, because he did not think those people were loyal to him. It is just absolutely insanity. He destroyed all the, uh, um, okay, what happened to the uh, uh, number two uh, person, Liu Shaoqi? Uh-huh. He was persecuted right. to death. Hmm. Yes. Everyone, left and right, everyone in power was taken down by Mao's Red Guard. So that was a really a power struggle on a biblical uh, scale. In the process, everything has to be destroyed. All the uh, civilization, anything old, anything older than the Cultural Revolution, even if CCP um, culture has to be destroyed because it's not radical enough to be replaced by Maoism. Everything yeah, I remember hearing about his little red book with all these wonderful things. Oh, yeah, that's our Bible. Like that. That's yeah, your Bible. That's all Interesting. Yeah. So you know, and that I'm is to, really. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just thinking. I want, I'm trying to get. The, do you only have the half hour? Or do you have the full hour? How much time do you have? Because I got to sort of gauge what I want to ask you. Um, I have uh, a. Um, I have to stop probably in eleven fifty-five. How about that? I have only oh, okay, twelve. Oh, good. So we got the rest of the hour. This is perfect. Okay, then we we got more time than I thought. Perfect. What I'm seeing is parallels, and the reason I ask you the question of how Mao came to power is because, and, and this isn't talked about enough by, by the Republicans, and it should be, we have a stolen government. You know, I've said this since the day after the election, that the 2020 election was stolen. We, this person was installed. You know, Obama's probably pulling the strings, and, and the world government's probably pulling his strings, and America tolerates this. And in, my, in, in China, you had somebody who basically stole the country. In our country, someone who stole the country. You've, the parallels are very striking. And this is what I want to go into. Yeah. You talked about how the Cultural Revolution, the, communi- the, the, the Maoists took over the Communist Party. Well, in this country, the leftists have taken over the Democrat Party. 
Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. No, I have been saying yeah, a ahead. lot that the, that the Democratic Party has become a communist party. To me, okay. there's absolutely no doubt about it. I'm not okay. saying every Democrat are communists. I'm saying the party is hijacked by communists. How do they do it here? Well, the thing that I know, it is, that's why I think people need to learn history. Okay. Now we need to learn history. I, my book tell you the parallels. And also, um, you know, Christopher Rufo just had a book, and it's uh, American Cultural Revolution. I have one chapter on that topic. He had a whole book detailing how the communist Marxists took over our country. And actually, it started even before the CCT. The uh, Communist Party USA was founded in 1919 right after okay. the, uh, the Bolshevik Revolution. And the Chinese Communist Party was founded in 1921, you know, three years or, or two years later. Communism was such attractive ideology to so many people. And mm-hmm. so the, uh, um, in, in the very beginning, the, uh, the Communist Party USA was really working on, I think, union. They try to uh, uh, organize the labor movement, and they, they want to overthrow the capitalism, the mm-hmm. old-fashioned way. Like Workers the of the but world but unite. That was the big Unite, US exactly. Workers of the world yeah, unite. But yeah. That, yeah, but that did not really work because uh, especially I read this great book. I can't remember the title. But this uh, uh, woman, the author, was born into a Jewish communist family, and mm-hmm. he, uh, he described that how people disillusioned about communism that was after the report came out of Russia from uh, uh, Kuchnev, I think uh, his name, I don't know what they pronounce it correctly. Oh, Khrushchev? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, exposing the, uh, the Stalin um, atrocity. And they were like, oh, my God. We thought mm. that was the utopia that we should mm. uh, you That's know, a big build, word, but utopia. it turned out to be, yeah. But yeah. so that did not work, you know, to overthrow it by workers. You know, it, it just won't. And the workers really had better and better lives, and they become um, middle class. Why would they give up everything and join the bloody revolution, right? So, so they have to do something different. And that was uh, the Frank School that came in and filled that that void. They have a new tool to overthrow this country. That is through the cultural Marxism rather than the classic Marxism and through violence, through you know, union and all that stuff. And that's been a long time. It's been almost a century and that's where we're today. I'm, I'm just writing a couple of things down here real quickly. Uh, because when I think about... Um, Communism. When I learned in school from the political scientists, and I went to the very liberal University of Massachusetts. All the economics professors were oh, Marxists. Uh, it was hysterical. Yeah. And then I spent one. I spent one day in East Berlin and and dumped four years of liberal education. <laughs> I was there. I crossed the Berlin Wall at Checkpoint mm-hmm. Charlie. So I was fortunate enough to see uh-huh. communism for real. So my one day education that's what I needed. Okay, I, I've seen it all. I, I saw enough. But we think about what the, the way they teach communism in this country. They teach it on a political level. You know, there's there's no private property and there's no state. That's communism in its ideal state. But the reality is it's no private property, but it's a totalitarian state. 
where the state controls everything. So yeah. the, th- go ahead. Tell me. Yeah, this is a, such a misconcept. Mi- mi- and the people, if you just uh, really want to know what communism is, you just mm-hmm. read um, the Communist Manifesto. They clearly declared, yes, mm-hmm. they're going to abolish private property. They're going yep. to abolish religion. And mm-hmm. they're going to abolish uh, family. So from the very, very beginning, it is not the property alone. It is a really fundamentally transform a society. Mm-hmm. And take a, Heard that a, before. A, a, yeah. <laughs> you know who said that? Yeah, Obama. Exactly. That is a perfect phrase. Absolutely. And he, um, Obama succeeded, succeeded yeah. in, uh, uh, in many ways to transform fundamentally, fundamentally. That is the foundation of this country that they try to destroy. So it is, um, I, I, that's what I'm telling people. They want to destroy the, uh, or, or abolish the private prop- the ownership of a property. But they mm-hmm. really, really, really want to destroy the ownership of your own thoughts. Oh. They don't want to. That is okay. the true, that is the real reality. If you ask me what, the one way I can describe my experience in China, yes, mm-hmm. there is a um, um, material um, um, depravity, right? Uh, but it, the real is I can't, I was not allowed to think. I was not allowed to access information that is different from the, uh, the party narrative. I was told I, I should not, my inspiration of life is that of the party. And I should be so happy to be a shining little screw that I will be shining anywhere uh, that party put me on this giant socialist machine. And that is all we were taught and learned. So we are not individuals. We are just a little tiny, tiny, tiny part of the socialist uh, machine. It's not my word. That's the word that I, the party taught us. And so we don't have the individualism is the worst thing. And we need to get rid of it. We would think as a group. We would talk as a group. One way, that way is the correct way. That's the party's approved way of thinking, of acting, of doing, and of being. That is the real communism. And those radical progressives have no idea about it. They don't understand well, maybe because their maybe thoughts they. are already owned. You know, maybe they've, they've bought into this. Um, and you, you weave a familiar path. And like I say, I see everything that you're saying and how it's happening here. Let's talk about free land. Now, they're not confiscating land and giving it away, but we hear about reparations for former slave families, you know, black families mm-hmm. in this country, mm-hmm. even though they have no connection yeah. to slavery and haven't for generations, right? We hear yeah. about um, during COVID, uh, people didn't have to pay their rent. They couldn't be evicted. So the landlords lost their land in the same way yeah. that it was stolen, but it was made useless. Um, China's buying up huge amounts of farmland here. We have huge agricultural businesses. And talk about the, the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto, which I just happen to have handy. Um, 
you can't inherit the family farm because the taxes are too high. So the land's being, being taken that way too, and it's going to huge cooperatives. And and the, I'm going to get into the business economy of China too because it's interesting. You, you don't think I, classical communism, you don't really have companies. It's just the state. But in communist China today, you do have companies. You have huge companies, but they're part of the state. It's it's this, this communist dialectic. It's the lie. It's the big lie. What you see is not what's going on. It's exactly the opposite. Free land means no land. Free thought means no thought. You know, everything is complete yeah. opposite. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to yeah. set you free by completely imprisoning you. It's Orwell. It's exactly Orwell. Mm-hmm. Exactly, uh, and so, yes. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I just said the Orwell, and I just recently have um, started to read about it. Oh, my God. That is <laughs> my world. That was mm-hmm. my world in China. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever read Anne Rand books at all, who talks about the value of the individual? And she even wrote an article, The Value of Selfishness. Not in the sense of, I, of taking from others, but doing for yourself, that it's your work. It's your creation, that your work has value. You don't have to share everything with everybody else. You're not working for the, the proletariat. You're not working for the common good. You're working to do the best that you can and get credit as an individual for what you do. Uh, have you gone through those I books at all? I haven't read. I know about the book. I, I'm okay. catching up. I have been trying to read so many, oh, and uh, but that is my world. That that is, uh, and one uh-huh. of the things uh, you know, I, in the interview, somehow I was asked this question, and I thought, mm-hmm. yes, that is uh, absolutely my uh, my life. That is a life without beauty. That is a life with just everything is the sameness. Sameness is the word to describe mouse China. Same thoughts, same dresses, uh, no no difference between women and men. We're all dressed like men. Oh, oh, that's, oh you just hit a hot button right there. No difference between women and men. Look at the, the, no, the whole transgender no issue. Women, men and yeah. women's sports yeah. and things like we're all the same. Talk about that. Same, that's all the same. The, okay. Yeah, because they want to destroy everything traditional, which is social okay. norm. They want to destroy that. And, and that's what uh, the, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Antonio Gramsci's um, cultural oh, yeah. Marxism is like a right. hegemony. You destroy it and you change it into the Marxist hegemony. And which is what uh, um, in China was Maoism. And here too, it's really Maoism. So no difference. We were taught we were the uh, Iron Girls. And uh, so kind of like a superwoman. Any man, anything man can do, we can do better. And so, um, yeah, basically we were absolutely, um, it's not like a liberation. Oh, you think, oh, it's a liberation. No, it's not liberation. Actually, it's enslavement. In the, in the traditional China, women have the uh, uh, option of staying home and take care of a family and children. Mm-hmm. Um, after the communists took over, they... Um, collectivized so many things, even children, and they were sent to a government nursery, government kindergarten, government school, and and women, you can't stay home. You come out, you work side by side with men, and that's what happened too. So it's a, the so-called, you know, like a equality is feminism. Enslavement. 
So yeah. do you think of, of feminism as a way to bring about the same thing that happened in communist China? Women get out to of work. Course. Women are as good as men. Uh, women will make yeah. money. And, of course, the government makes double taxes now because they're taxing two parents instead mm-hmm. of one. And the, and the yeah. kids are raised by daycare run by the state. And they go to education exactly. run by the state. This, this is exactly the and same thing. And indoctrination, yeah. Right? Star- yeah, exactly. Okay. The, okay, the fr- the first uh, wave of femi- uh, feminism, of course, that was uh, uh, a very good cause. And I'm, I agree. We all benefit from it because they are not asking um, anything extraordinary. They are asking the equal rights, equal rights to mm-hmm. vote. To do. And, they, they, and then you have option, right? You can go to work pursue a career. You can also choose to stay home. You have options. The mm-hmm. second wave and the third wave, now we're in the, uh, in the third wave of um, um, feminism. It totally changed. It become a communist. And that's what they do. The left, they hijack uh, uh, legitimate uh, uh, movement and then mm-hmm. turn it into radical Marxist movement. So now the second generation, uh, uh, second wave of uh, um, feminism is mm-hmm. turning man as the enemy, right? And a family as the problem. So the second wave of feminism want to destroy marriage, want to destroy family because those are the ones that enslaved women. So it's absolutely radical. And, and then the third wave, now there's no difference in gender. That's how transgender. Transgender came from radical feminism. It's not from oh. Okay. Absolutely. A few no years ago, uh, we, are, we don't have a long history in the United States, but transgender is something that only happened in the last, what, five to ten years, really? We got along just fine without yeah. this. But, uh, yeah, you know, but it started there. They say oh. you, uh, you uh, sex and the gender are different. Okay, so that's why they're trying to work so we should have gender-neutral toys because it's social. Gender is social construct. And uh, and it's all rooted in Marxism. Absolutely. This is fascinating. You know, it's interesting that both freedom and uh, communism came from Europe. You know, you had Austria, Germany with Karl Marx uh, and, and England with, you know, Magna Carta. You know, and uh, we, we just had one of our, our financial reporter was talking about being in Scotland, how independent they are. And a lot of Scots came to the United States because they didn't want to live under the English monarchy uh, back in the 1700s. We have such a tradition of freedom here up until, yes. you know, relatively recently. Um, it's yes. where where do you think it went? Because I'm an immigrant, too. I got here from uh, although my journey is nowhere near as, as treacherous and dangerous as yours. I mean, I came from Canada to Australia to the United States. But those are three very okay. separate, very distinct countries. And people don't realize just because they speak English doesn't mean they're all the same. You know, it's, no, look at Taiwan, actually, and, Taiwan more, and China. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I see more the difference. Now I really see how exceptional America is. And compare with all its siblings of the English-speaking countries like Canada, mm-hmm. Australia, and New Zealand. And mm-hmm. America is the only country that fought for its freedom and it's built on, uh, really built on Christianity. And uh, uh, that's what I really, you know, I'm not a scholar, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, I, 
I, I just know what I know, but my instinct told me that uh, um, communism was created as a mirror image of Christianity. Oh, interesting. So, That's a very yeah, interesting thought. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, they, 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 they want, uh, you know, now the, uh, the people are saying Jesus is uh, a socialist. Jesus <laughs> no. is a trans. Jesus is a, a, a LGBT. Jesus is a woman. Jesus is a black. Remember, and you, you see that, right? Oh, I've and, heard it on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So why? <laughs> because they really, really built on the, uh, uh, the, uh, um, the, Christian, ideolo- uh, the Christian idea that we're mm-hmm. all equal. But we were equal in God's eye. But they just hijacked it. We are all equal. That means equal, uh, equity uh, as the... Um, as the um, mm-hmm. what, what, what you say? Well, equity versus equality. There's a, there's a big equality. difference. We're created everything. equal. And, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And they say love. Christian love is uh, you love everyone, you love your uh, uh, neighbor. But here they say you love everyone, even if that one is telling you the lie. You have to accept it because you're Christian and you should love everyone. Even if this standing in front of you, you know it's a man, but for, for the sake of love, you accept that it is a woman. So everything, really, think about it. I think mm-hmm. it's the either anti-Christ uh, or just a mirror image. The words they use, you can find it in, uh, in, in, uh, in Christianity. And mm-hmm. see, right? Um, yeah, that's how I look at it. I that makes perfect sense. Because if you think of communism, have to replace God with the head of whoever the Communist Party is. They have to replace yeah. the family with the party. They have to replace uh, God, family, and country. There's no country either. You know, there's, there's yeah. no. So, so how Chinese are the yeah. Chinese? How, how Chinese are the Chinese now? Do Chinese people feel Chinese or do they feel communist at this point? Is the, the national identity of mainland China, is that gone? Yeah. Has that been subverted into the party? Yeah, you know, the slogan of the, uh, um, the, communis- uh, the communism was, uh, uh, you know, International, because we 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 grew up seeing the song International, you know, it's right. a, it's like a yeah, the like world Soviet is one? only divided yeah by class, and okay. that's the only thing. There's no difference. You're Chinese speaking Chinese language, or you are German speaking. We're all the same because we united by class. So I think globalists, and okay. this is the kind of thing you know I never thought about it before. I thought mm-hmm. it's international, but now I, I realize it's globalist. That's why the globalist is now using everything communist, communism to take control, because that worked. That proved to be working. If you want power, you use the uh, uh, ready-made tool and the toolbox. That's Marxist, cultural Marxism, communism, Maoism. It's all there. It's like they're following the playbook, you know, the World Economic Forum, exactly. the World Government, the UN, World Health Organization. It's all the same. They're all modeled on communism is, is what you're saying, right? Yeah. That's what I said. That's what I yeah. believe. Yeah. That makes sense. But 
the funny thing is, and here's the ultimate irony of this, is that freedom works. When the United States was a free country uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, where the individual was paramount, where they taught about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in schools and people valued individuality, we had the inventors. You know, the airplane was invented by an American. You know, the computer was yeah. invented by Americans. You know, you look at all the things mm-hmm. that we've done in this country. They all came from freedom. freedom and the, you know, free- and we had, go ahead. I just say freedom is built on individual, uh, individualism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without you know, without uh, the uh, individual freedom, individual that's the most important thing. No one would bother to go and uh, and invent something because once you invent, the state take it take it over. Why bother? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Why bother working? Why start a company? Yeah. Why do anything? Yeah. You know, and no, property is a yeah. good thing. You know, the accumulation of property, I'll, I'll tell you quite honestly, I love what I do at Action Radio, but I want this to make a fortune so I can buy a jet. I've always wanted to be a jet pilot, you know, and I don't have a problem. To me, that's perfectly compatible. You can do well, you know, while doing good. <laughs> you know, if you bring if you make a product that people want and you get rich and you get to travel the world, who cares? You know, this, this, this but, selfishness and envy. Let's talk about envy. In other words, what belongs to somebody else also belongs to you. That's a lot of what communism yeah. is based on, right? Yeah, exactly. And okay. that's what um, they thought they were going to get from uh, supporting communism. That those peasants, those poor peasants thought they were going to get free land. They did for a few years and then uh, uh, 50 or million of them starved to death and then they become landless. So that, that's what yeah, the people want to believe that uh, they're right. going to get something good out of uh, communism. But the uh, end result there's no exception. Every uh, communist country proved that mm-hmm. eventually it's a equality of misery and a equality of oppression yep. and an yep. equality of uh, um, equity or whatever, of um, uh, poverty. That's what you get. Communism cannot be created because the individual lose their incentive to do that. So mm-hmm. communism can't create wealth. And um, even though the first time they were just distribute what's already created, and, uh, but they can't create new wealth. So eventually everyone ends up poor. No, that's, that's very profound. That's exactly right. And for someone that you say you're not a scholar, but on my show, you know, I say I'm uniquely unqualified for everything I do. I've written a ton of legislation. I don't have a law degree. <laughs> you know, I've never served in Congress. Uh, and I think our bills here are better uh, than, than uh, yeah. most of what's coming out of government today. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I want to get back to some of these things that are fascinating to me because it, it's so much work to oppress an entire population. And these people, even the communists themselves, would be better off if they had freedom. They would benefit. You know, because everybody yeah. would. If, it, it, you wouldn't have the money, the government, you wouldn't have the big budget, you wouldn't have the secret police, you wouldn't have everybody informing on each other, you wouldn't have the massive government education system. You could have yeah. homeschools, you could have individual companies, you could have low taxes and entrepreneurs, and everybody would do better under freedom. And yet, the, the world is heading for communism, which is the worst yeah, possible option, uh, because everybody loses, even the communists lose, because they're all suspecting yeah, that everybody else is going to kill yeah. them. Yeah, I don't understand this is it. Exactly. What, okay. Why not freedom, right? Why not yeah. answers? If you want to control this world, uh, the freedom is not so good. 
and uh, they, you know if you want to control every uh, everybody and and stop them from doing this and that you want them to be have own nothing and be happy because you are the master of the world the freedom is not so good that is why that is why they want to uh, take away our freedom and then that's why they tell the people who want to free ride and tell them you're going to get more if you uh, support our policy and of uh, um, socialism. And so I, I think that the freedom benefits everyone except those who want to uh, um, uh, control everything. And yeah. that is the, uh, absolutely, that is the, um, what's in, throughout the history. That is the norm. Tyranny is the norm. That's another way to consider America. It's exceptionalism. It is this country that built on freedom that we see that human uh, beings uh, uh, with free will, with determination, created things that never imagined possible before. All the technology is created mostly in America because we have people who are free individuals. China, the CCP, they produce nothing. They steal, they copy. They produce nothing, nothing creative, nothing unique. Yeah, it's almost like everything has to be approved by the party, so you can't have, you know, inventions because everybody's afraid to, yeah. to do something different. Yeah, uh, a lot of countries are like that. I, I remember seeing that, uh, remember Jesse Jackson talking about Japan, for example, back in the 80s, you know, Japan Incorporated, where they, uh, they would take our VCRs, our video cassette recorders. We invented it, but they produced it because they engineered it. But there's a very few Japanese Nobel Prize winners. That was just that particular example. But the countries that oppress their people, because there's no invention, because there's no originality, there's, there's nothing encouraged for you to take individual action. You don't have the inventors. You don't have the successes. You don't have the advances in medicine and science and yeah. physics and even the environment. You don't have any of these things. And yet they have yeah. to steal it. So it's almost like, so communism really is dependent on free societies to give them the things that, to steal. Right? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I say this a lot, that okay. after Mao, Mao died and China was, or CCP itself, because after Mao died, everybody was like, uh, they no longer believe in communism. They no longer believe in Mao oh. as their god. And, it, and, and China and the CCP was really on its deathbed until what? Until the West come to the rescue, until the communism, or until capitalism come to the rescue. Deng Xiaoping, we, is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah. Is he the one? Deng Xiaoping okay. just said, I don't care. Right. Uh, capitalism okay. or communism, black cat or white cat, as long as the cat your mouth is a good cat. And the, the, uh, um, the West choose to believe him. He never oh. said he's going to abandon communism and Marxism. Yeah. Neither did Gorbachev. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they never. But the West, especially those greedy corporations, uh, oh, want okay. to believe it because they see the huge market of cheap labor without, with low or no human rights. And, and here the union asks this and that, right? And then you have regulations, this and that. In China, nothing. You can do whatever. You can turn a blind eye of all this happening in the um, exploitation. They, they don't care. 
And the, so that yeah, someone dies, they don't absolutely. care. They just replace them, right? They don't care. Someone dies on the job. Even it's like, today. next. Yeah. Yeah, they don't huh. care. Even the uh, uh, Apple, you know, factory in, the, in, 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 uh, in China, there's a lot of abuses. They don't care. So capitalism saved the CCP. Now China proved to the world that the so-called China model works. What is China model? It's state capitalism. It's the Communist Party control the um, everything. And yet they, they have somewhat kind of a capitalism. It's fairly investment and from, uh, or technology pouring in from the West. So okay. now that becomes the model that the, uh, I, I think the, uh, the World um, Economic Forum is proposing. China model. They love China because there is a dictator sitting there over the economy. And, uh, but, you know, China is doing so badly recently, and uh, we'll see what happens. It cannot be so that's the lie, though. That's the big lie that, communist, that yeah, the Chinese communist lie. system works. And, and this is what we're being told here, which is, well, I want to get to your book and, and the, the, the warning. You know, I want to see how we can get out of this. But China, the only reason that the Communist Party is succeeding is because we allow them to. We sell them stuff. We, exactly. we buy all their products. We let them steal our technology. We have their students in our universities. You know, we have our politicians in, in the White House and in, in, in lobbying Congress. And so we basically give away everything that we build for no reason. Not only that. Thinking, yeah, go ahead. Not only that. A lot of uh, uh, people benefit from it. They enrich themselves okay. uh, uh, by, you know, by working with CCP. And, uh, and that's why CCP were able to uh, buy our uh, uh, politicians and um, buy our, um, the, uh, the people in uh, uh, corporations. They actually own them because they enrich them. Because CCP, they, they control all the wealth in China. And uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it is just really, really sad situation that after engaging China, we were told that China will become more open and more democratic. What happened? <laughs> we become more like China, right? We become more totalitarian. We become China, while China remains a communist Marxist regime. Wow. Let's, let's get to So the book is Mao's America or Survivor's Warning, and the author is Xi Van Fleet, who's my guest. How do we get out of this? What do we do? How do we reverse this? What, um, what can we do? What's your message for America? I think, yeah, I, I do think the first step is to understand, and that's what my book is really about, to okay. help people to understand that what's going on here is nothing new. It is really history repeating. And the history is not ancient history. The history is just 50 years ago. The survivors still here telling mm -hmm. the story, giving the warning, right? So I think that's the most important thing for people to understand what woke is. It is communism. It is uh, Marxism. And then, you know, what you do after that, we should resist. I don't think everyone will become like, a, you know, uh, turn and uh, you know become an activist, but we can resist at every level, as mm -hmm. big as small. You know, we, we just for one thing, if we all stop, um, say yes to the lies, that is a giant step. And uh, um, um, and, and then of course we need to get organized. 
And uh, that's yeah. how I started. And uh, I can't do it alone. I was just like, I could not sleep during the 2020. I was like, this is the cultural revolution. This People don't know. How can I tell them? And uh, I'm just helpless. I'm just an a individual. Um, but I decided, I, I, actually, it's kind of a funny story. I just watched, one day I watched Dan Bongino's show. He said, join the local Republican uh, organization. Well, that's exactly what I did. I joined the Loudoun County Republican Committee. And uh-huh. that's why my first step. Once you are, you are with a group of people, like-minded people, and then you really gain uh, support and strength, encouragement from them. That's how I went to the school board. I I, I did not have children in school at that time. You know, my mind mm-hmm. uh, uh, was uh, um, out of school, and uh, I would not go by myself. But they encouraged me. Said, it doesn't matter. You're still um, taxpayer, and you you're still a citizen. That's how I went. If I did not join them by myself, I was still probably just active on the couch, you know, I won't be able to do anything. So I, I think that's something we have to do. Communist uh, organizers, Mao organized peasants, and that's how he got into power. Obama uh, was the community organizer, right? That's how he got into power. Even though he become um, United, uh, the president and become a millionaire, and how about those uh, communities he organized? They're still the same. They're still uh, poverty striking. But they, that's what they do. They mobilize, they organize, and even though they're not fighting for uh, those people, but that's how they use people, by mobilization. And Mao always said mass movement. He never did anything without the mass movement. And that was the... Uh, um, the Great Leap Forward, that was a land reform, that was a cultural revolution. But conservatives to fight back, we also have to do the same thing now because we're dealing with communists. We have to organize. And then we start seeing that. We start to see in 2021, the peasants get organized. Not parents, not peasants. <laughs> get organized. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and I think that's a, a very encouraging sign that we just really have to organize in order to take action. Well, we're starting to do that. I'm going to tell you real quickly, I've got like three callers that want to ask you questions. So I'm going to go one question each, and we're going to kind of rapid fire here. Uh, But I'll talk to you off the air about our Citizen Legislation Day, because we've got January 7th. We've got a little theater here in Milton called the Imogene, and we're going to showcase our legislations. We are resisting. uh, We are writing the bills, and all people have to do is share them. So minimal level of resistance, share the bills, share the show. Uh, The folks that hear the show that you are on with us here, we'll talk about it later, because I want to take away from time. i got Josie, who is from Nicaragua. So she understands communism, uh, probably like you do. Josie, let's get one question from you, and we're going to kind of do a round robin here. You're on with Shivan Fleet. Hey, hi, good morning. My question to you is, do you know anything about all the Chinese men coming through the border, and what's the purpose of it? If you have any information, I would like to know. Yeah, I I know that. I know that. I have no answer. I just find that very suspicious. And that uh, the, uh, all, all these people showing up, uh, not just men, uh, but young, a lot of young people, but a lot of men. Yeah, I have no answer, but my suspicion is as good as yours. And we think they are not here uh, 
just to be, you know, an immigrant uh, or try to be. I think there's something else going on. Yeah. Okay. Let's get Thank to. You. Uh, yeah, hold on, and we'll see if we have more time for you. But I want to get Catherine online too, and then I'll go to yeah. uh, to John. Catherine, you're on with Gee Van Fleet. Hi, Greg. Hi, G. Hi. You got a question? You want to introduce yourself quickly? You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. So go my question. No, my question was more comment for G. I just wanted to say thank you for being honest and open and coming forward about, you know telltale signs going on in America because there's just a lot of people who think we're crazy for calling this stuff out. Um, I went up against the Marine Corps um, for challenging them and breaking the tenets of the Constitution. So I just wanted to say thank you, G, and it's a pleasure to hear your voice. I listened to you yesterday on um, on One American News, and it's really cool to just say thank you. I'll get you two together after the show. Yeah, I'll get you guys together off the air. But, um, go ahead, Catherine. God bless both of y'all. All right, thank you. Well, and let's yeah, get to... God bless I, both I just, of y'all, uh, and thank you again. Yeah, yeah thank let's you. Let's get I John DeMonaco. Whoop, go ahead. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to tell everyone that I'm fighting for myself, okay? I'm uh, not just fighting for America. I'm also fighting for myself because I do not want to live under communism again. Yep. Absolutely. All right, let's get uh, John DeMonica, who does our gun yeah. report. And, of course, there's no guns in China. We haven't even talked about Second Amendment stuff. John, do you have a question or comment for uh, G? Yeah, just a quick question. Would it be sure. possible to condense your book to a 20-, 30-page pamphlet that would spread that information faster and make more digestible for people? Oh, like I, see point. In the same, I see In the same yeah. sense of, like, we had Thomas Paine with Common Sense, you could be the modern-day Thomas Paine. Well, thank you so much. I think someone told me that before for kind of a, like, a, yeah, pamphlet. And I'll consider that. Okay. I'm just going to, yeah, we got just a couple like, minutes like, left. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like bullet point. You okay? Can you drink a water? Feel free. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Been, I, I have you got other interviews. Okay. Well, this is this has been fascinating. I've, I've muted my guests. So we had a little background noise. I want to uh, um, take care of that. But it's this is, uh, the, I think the cure is so easy. The resistance it doesn't take an amazing amount. You don't have to be a crusader. You don't have to race through the streets. You don't have to carry big signs. But just a little resistance, school board resistance. You know, talking about the fact the election was stolen. Just simple things like that make a huge difference. And if you really want to get get into it, like I say, we actually write legislation here. We've got a, a constitutional amendment that would take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That is earth-shattering in terms of scope, and yet it's four lines long. So the power of laws, do you see a way to fight this as to actually change the laws to take away the power of the state over us and, and give the lawyers a chance to fight in court and give people a chance to fight back? Do, do you see that uh, that's one of the things that communism does? They rewrite all the laws. They change everything to give themselves yeah, all course. the power. What you describe is perfect anyway. Everyone has to understand freedom is something that can disappear, just mm-hmm. like Reagan said. It's generation away from disappearing. We have to fight. We have to for it. We have to defend it. That means we have to get involved. We mm-hmm. can't just sit there and hope that everything just goes well. They are actively fighting to take away our freedom. So we have to actively fight to defend it. That includes 
supporting the local uh, candidates. Right now in Virginia, we have this um, uh, election, and all the low county position uh, for re uh, uh, for re-election, supporting your local school board candidates and a state candidate. That's how we take back the country. Yeah. The book is Mao's America, a survivor's warning, and uh, the author who I'm having a really too much fun talking to, because this is fascinating, is Xi Van Fleet. Uh, is there anything from the book that we haven't covered? You've got like about two minutes, and then you, have to, you said you wanted to leave uh, five minutes before the hour. Anything we missed? I mean, you're welcome back, too, to talk about this anytime. Wow, I, t- I talk a whole lot more in the book, so you'll have to read the book. Oh, yeah, I know. But, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. well, oh, yeah, absolutely. So where do we get it? Let's, let's talk about that. Where is the easiest place to get it? Are you suppressed at all? Are people, you know, are they putting it in the back of the bookstore? You know, where, where's the best place to get it? Um, it's anywhere. Some people like to go into the bookstore. I actually want to go to one of their bookstore to find, to see what is on the shelf. They have all the bookstore have. <laughs> <laughs> they, had asking, the, yeah. they had the books um, uh, on twentieth uh, of uh, October, but some of them were slow putting out. Yes, they, I don't know, but I want to see. But uh, you know, online probably is uh, easier. And uh, if you get uh, Amazon, you can also leave um, a review, which is uh, helpful. That sounds good. Okay. Well, our time is up. Let's let you go. And, uh, and we're almost out of showtime, too. I'll bring my, all my colleagues back live. We can talk about this. Chief Van Fleet, you're always welcome back. Good luck with your mission. You know, you've got warriors all over the country uh, that, are, that are helping, and we just have to get together. And so that's, that's yeah, kind of like my you. job here at Action Radio. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye now. All right, let's make all our folks live here. This is way too much fun. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, obviously it's serious topics. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of what this is, but uh, we got some cool folks here. We got Catherine, we got Josie, and we got John. Uh, so let's go. Let's go uh, in reverse order: John, Josie, and Catherine. John, what do you think? We got about we we have a little bit of overtime if you want, but uh, that was pretty amazing. Did I forget yeah, anything to ask? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I no, think I amazing topic. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I would have asked her, I had a bunch of questions, mm-hmm. but I would have asked it if she thinks there's a point where the, the Chinese people themselves will ever revolt. Well, we'll that's, have that's actually really, that. that's what I was asking. How do you how do you subvert you know a billion people with right. just like Xi Jinping? I mean, how can one person have that much power? That it's got to be conditioning, it's got to be indoctrination, it has to start at birth. That you you don't think of yourself as the individual, like she was saying. There is no individual thought. There is no individual. Men and women are the same. Everybody has the same thought. Your value is how much you you are the same as everybody else. Well, there's no innovation. There's no creativity. There's no dissent. You know, I, I'd be in the gulag immediately. And I was going to ask her about. You remember Hillary Clinton's quote? You know, she says, "Well, we need uh, some kind of a re-education camp to get some right thinking there." Gee, doesn't that sound like uh, Mao and Stalin and then all the other dictators we've heard? It's the same thing, right? No, for sure. I, I just wonder if it's so culturally ingrained that they'll never do it or if there will come a point now with even the, the small amount of social media that we have and technology we have where they'll get that spark. And what Hey, China listens to the show. Happen. China listens to the show. I think we're, they're blocking us in Taiwan, but we have, we've always had listeners in China since I first right. uh, started Block Talk Radio. They, they picked us up immediately, probably to see what's going on. Josie, what do you think? Did you hear the whole interview? Uh I missed about 10 minutes, but uh, she's describing okay. what uh, the people in Nicaragua and Chile went through. And mm-hmm. it's they start very early with uh, young people brainwashing them because I attended a bunch of meetings. Uh, they were trying to tell you all the freebies that you were going to get and you were going to own the land and you were going to – Same and repetition, thing. That's what yeah. – 
that's what CNN's been doing in all the TV stations. They repeat over and over. All the stations are repeating the whole thing before it gets into your mind. And the American people are still sleeping. They're not awoke yet, but it's going to get worse in America. And, and the lady said something is suspicious about all these Chinese. Of course, it is. They're going to be fighting us. And so is all the cartels and illegals coming. And all the weapons, I believe, that they were gone from Afghanistan, they're in the hands of a lot of these criminals coming in. So yeah, that's, all a, that's another question I wanted all to ask her was about the illegal invasion. I think we pretty much know what's going on. But, uh, you know, well, let's talk, yeah. to, uh, let's talk to Catherine here, who, who's a veteran, who has military experience. What, uh, you know, uh, you defended other countries' borders. <laughs> you know, how do you feel about our own country not defending our own border? Catherine. Um, yeah, no, it's really heartbreaking, and, and I wish I had more to contribute other than saying thank you to G. but whenever I heard that Xi was going to be on yesterday on One American News and on today, um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was really cool, and it reminds me of people like Chang Li, who was arrested by China. I think she, I think she had, like, some kind of Australian journalist or teacher like Chinese national background, um, and she was questioning the Chinese government, and then she was put in jail, yeah. and we haven't heard from her yeah. since um, back in 2021. But, yeah, no, it's crazy, and it's sad. It's just heartbreaking to see our own military leaders um, be at the center well, of well. corruption, uh, loss, <laughs> loss of morale. And, you know, if, if the military if the military's fallen, yeah. well, America just better pray for itself, you know? Well, here's a question. We've got uh, General Milley, who fortunately retired. He should be in jail. You know, had more loyalty to his communist Chinese counterpart than he did to Donald Trump, who he allegedly was serving under, and said that if, if Trump ever does anything, I'll let you know right ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our own military is communist at this point. What, but my question is, what did they teach mm-hmm. you as a, from recruit to uh, to to when um, – when you're in the military, you know, full active duty, how much did they teach you about the Constitution and about the Bill of Rights and, and what you're fighting for and what the military, how the military fits into a republic? How much did they teach you about that? Mm, not as much as you would think as an enlisted uh, person. Probably they go more into depth on that in officer school, but I have never seen officer school. Um, but they... The thing that really stuck with me was when my drill instructor taught me about the six articles um, of the Code of Conduct, if you ever captured, um, like, as a prisoner of war or MIA. And the only reason I remember that was because, like, she just drilled it in our heads. And then Ivan Reichlin, a constitutional lawyer, was gracious enough to write an article about me and um, portray my plight as a prisoner of war because I literally stood up against the military who has become almost an enemy of us. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. John's not familiar with story. He's wondering what it's all about. Go. I don't know how much you want to go into detail now, but I can have you back on, uh, and we can talk more about it. But, um, yeah, any any other observations from uh, – I know your story, of course um, – from, from G's chat about uh, how this country is, you know, diving into communism. It seems like it's, just, it's the same thing. It's the same playbook. To doing, and it works, unfortunately. <laughs> Comments? Uh, yeah, no, I, oh, like well. I can see or Josie. <laughs> All three of you. Okay, who wants to go first? Just one, let's go Catherine, Josie, and uh, John. So Catherine, let's get you back, and then we'll uh, get to Josie and John. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to interject. Uh, no, I don't have anything to uh, okay. uh, uh, yeah. offer right now. 
No problem. Just thanks, you all I can thank all I can thank is uh the American people need to wake up, need to learn from people like her, people like me and a lot of Venezuelans coming in. Uh, they're fleeing communists, but a lot of the illegals coming in, they're not fleeing communists. They're coming here uh, to be fighting us in the streets, and a lot of them, they just want all the freebies. So that's where we at in America, and it is sad. We should be protecting our borders instead of protecting all the other countries. Well, see, that's just, this seems to be a change in the pattern. Um, between communists who would, who would give away all, they would take all the land and then you know give it to the the the, the peasant class as it were, uh, and then take it back from the peasants because that was the whole point in the first place was to, was to seize all the land. But this idea of of mass uh, immigration of people that don't care about the country, that don't know anything about it, that just want the freebies. This is new. I, don't, I haven't seen this in communist revolutions in the past. They just subverted the people that were already there, uh, and they might have taken over other countries, but they didn't bring other people into their country to boost the number of communist you know, peasants like they're doing here. Mm-hmm. This is new. Yeah, communist, but they're doing that with well, the land now. Like, uh, All right, John, go, go ahead. ahead. John. They're doing that with the land now. So if okay. you look at it in terms of affordable housing, right, what they're doing is they're using eminent domain to seize land from private landowners and mm-hmm. turning that into affordable housing, which is essentially See, that's, that that's not the purpose of eminent domain. See, now, I've always objected I agree, to but that's domain. what they're doing. Right. No, I agree, but that's what they're doing. So it's just a yeah. backdoor way for the government to seize people's land and give it to someone else. Yeah. It's like equity domain. <laughs> it's not eminent. They're taking – Amer- real Americans from their apartment, Section 8, like I was telling Greg the other day, uh, to give it to the illegals, and that's not good. Like yesterday I went to a restaurant to have a salad here locally. Most of the ladies working there are from Nicaragua, and one was from El Salvador. So hmm. the American people are sitting at home, and what I don't understand is how do they pay the bills? How do they make it? If they're not working, I, I don't get that part. I really don't get it. But all this is well organized by the United Nations and the criminal Obama running the show right now. But they're all going to go bye-bye eventually. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I went through the whole show and didn't play a single announcement or, or any of our commercials or anything. <laughs> so I got some making up to do here. It's Channel 3. Um, yeah, I know. Well, it's, we're in overtime, but that's okay. We lost Marco in the in the Netherlands because the okay. the live chat shuts down right at the right at the end of three hours. But uh, mm-hmm. thank you all. We've got next week. Let's see. We're getting closer thank and closer you, to. Oh, you're very welcome to Citizen Legislation Day. I'll see if I can drag John down from uh, Montana so we can get him down here for uh, uh, for January seventh. So uh, we can talk off the air about that. But uh, mm-hmm. John, you're welcome. If we can, uh, you know, bring, bring we'll have you at the gun table with some of our local folks. It should be really interesting. That'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Any any last thoughts before we close up this week's uh, Action Radio? Yeah. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Catherine for standing uh, for her life and for being bold with the military that they're acting like a bunch of criminals instead of protecting Americans, like they're protecting other people in other countries. So yeah. I thank Catherine for standing for her right. And thank you for your service, yeah. Chica. Yeah, she actually she's off the line right now. Well, I'll, I'll tell her about that. But I want to get her back on to tell more of her story. Yeah, and I don't is. want to go into it without her on the air, just because it's a it's a complex Thank story. Um, but uh, thanks for for that for for Catherine. Yeah, Catherine's pretty special. Mm-hmm. All right, in that case, uh, let's uh, let's let's close up for the week. Thank you both. And I got some things to play. I got Thank a lot you. of catching up to do. 
Uh, and uh, I'll see you. We've got uh, Josie on Tuesday with the Latino Report. And we've got uh, John with yep. the uh, Women's Firearm Academy Report on Fridays uh, earlier at, at uh, 8.30. Um, I think I might just put you and Candy together, John. Just, I might just combine your reports. I don't know. We'll see. But it's kind That'd of nice awesome. to talk to you individually, too. Yeah, we'll figure something out. We're always experimenting here. All right. Okay. Thanks, um, Craig Douglas here. All right. Thanks, John. And uh, be back uh, Monday, as we always do, at uh, 7 a.m. Central Time, where we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. 
Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.